Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you and thank you. And it is good to be back. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, back after a one-week hiatus doing doing the Lord's work. No, not doing the Lord's work. Doing the University of Massachusetts work of sending people home for the summer. That was That was the exciting reason I could not be on the bandwagon last week. However, it was admirably held down by the rest of the bandwagon and one Christopher Platt. Um, from what I understand, I got I got a little bit of I do believe it was some splaining to do, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do that, let's uh, remind you all that you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. I am your host, Patrick O'Dowd, and I am, of course, joined by the rest of the bandwagon. We've got the lawyer himself, David Ungar. David, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just watching Tunny and wondering what he's drinking over there that got that facial reaction. What is that? Look like a grown-up drink. Yeah. Ooh, look at that! Oh, fancy glass. Uh, Ray's got the the big dog going, and he and he's got the little pinky too. That's nice, man. Ray. You know touch. what? Everything's pissing me off today. Before we started, Dave brought up my basketball team and my hockey team, and that's pissing me off. And then Ray shows me a McDonald's cup, and I'm like, guess what? Can't get motherfucking orange drink at McDonald's anymore. So what's fucking next? You know? They just took that Wait. away from y'all up there. It's been gone down here. Yeah, I'm just saying. I used to love it. That was my hangover, so, man. I go wait, to McDonald's. Wait, wait, and... what? Orange drink? Explain this high to C me. Or- the high C orange is, is gone officially from McDonald's. But but why, though? Reasons, Reasons. Reasons. Reason. I mean, really, it's right here. I, I don't know how others feel about this. I know. Yeah, I, I, I can I can get I can get behind that. Right? Yeah. Apparently there are a lot of angry, a lot of angry folks out there today. So I, I, 
I understand that. Um, that other that, that voice you heard over there talking about the the orange drink was um, the live studio audience. Pizza funny is that is that what it is now? Not PC Tunny. It's pizza funny. If I if I read Twitter correctly, pizza pizza Tunny pizza funny. Nice to meet you. Pizza funny. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. And of course, the other voice that informed me of the the end of orange drink, the Reverend himself, the Reverend Ray Cash. Yes, Ray, how are we? Hey man, another day in paradise. Uh, another day in God's green earth. And by oh, God, make there he goes. He's pre- preaching early. Preaching early. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. So. We are continuing the Heroes Project today with the most challenging of the lists to make, probably because none of us reads as much independent comics as we should, but we will be covering our top 10 um, independent comic book heroes today. That'll be the second half of the show. I just put together a conglomeration of just news bites that we've been sharing throughout the week and thought we could call that news around the nerdosphere. I didn't have time for some good. I wanted to get some good like, you know, that like CBS global news music that you would hear. Like I was looking for something generic like that to play in front of news around the nerdosphere. But uh, I, I, I'm lazy. And so just didn't, didn't get that done. And I'll own that. Like I'll, I'll know that I was too busy putting up the write up at uh, the the agenda that Dave never does when I'm gone. So, uh, thank you by proud, the way. Proud of it too. Thank you, thank you for the birthday wishes last week while while recording in my absence. And Mr. Tunney, happy birthday to you as well. Belated, oh, gentlemen. Uh, yes. Heard it was yes. a milestone birthday for you. Unfortunately, I told the lady okay. at the grocery store this morning. She checked my ID which was very nice of her, but I was wearing a hat and a mask. So, you know, can't really be too worried about it. She said, well, happy belated birthday. And I said, well, now I'm going to start having birthdays every other year, just so you know, you can spread the word. That's a, that's a way to do it. Because she, she was older than me. <laughs> oh, 37 for a while. Is that a good year? Yeah, I hold 37. Like I can't, I can't, I can't pull off too much younger than maybe 35, but I, I don't want to go too far with that. So, um, but yes, yeah, so cheers to you. Cheers to me. Happy birthday to cheers. us as I drink my water. And what is in the McDonald's cup there, Ray? What did we get today? The finest glass of Sprite on tap. All right. You know, the approved Grant, beverage of LeBron James. Grant, he'll drink when, Sprite. Yes, he does. Do you think um, when LeBron James orders a Sprite right now, he sees three of them? And he just, he reaches for the one in the middle? <laughs> and he reaches for the one in the middle. By the way, talk about the luck I got, right? Of all the teams that he ends up playing, the one year my sons are good, that's what we get. I Thanks said that. NBA. I love, love for the sons. Yeah. Cheer Shot Radio Monday morning, I said the, the team that has benefited the least from the Lakers all being injured is not the Lakers. It's whoever they play in the first round. And sorry, Ray, you were right. Yep, it is what it is. Nice. So... All right, NBA playoffs notwithstanding, here we are doing our recording, getting ready to jazz up everybody's Monday afternoon. And listen to, like I said, listen to last week's Heroes and and Movies podcast. Well done, very well done, gentlemen. Excellent picks all all along. Uh, But I I decided that uh, I'd heard 
through the discussion that, that the, you, there were some questions. And there's two in particular that, that I'm going to address right away. Uh, and I even said this afterwards when you all were, well, a couple of you were like, you know, you're going to have to explain yourself. And I'm like, I'm comfortable with my list. I was very comfortable with the list I shared. The two big questions that came from the group that I remember from the show is one, why was there no Chadwick Boseman slash Black Panther on my list? And two, that had Captain America number one, um, Chris Evans's portrayal of Captain America number one over one Tony Stark. So I will address the Black Panther one first. I'm going to lead with the answer that Dave said that I would give that would piss you all off, but I'm going to give you a little bit more context than just saying, because it's my list. When I, when I put this list in particular together, and most of the hero lists that I try to put together, I do try to put together heroes and characters, because it's my list, that resonate with me in a way that's a little bit more meaningful to me personally. And what I sort of have embraced in in terms of what I love as a hero. And that is not to say, and I want to be very clear about this, that I did not love Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal of T'Challa. That I do not think Black Panther is some okay, not great movie. It is a phenomenal film. One of the great superhero movies ever made. I've said this in reference to a lot of other characters in movies, and I'm going to say it again. Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal of Black Panther and T'Challa and the meaning behind it is not my hero. It's not for me. That character is not for me. That whole movie is not for me. And that is not taking anything away from that movie and that portrayal. I am just that that connection that that movie makes with audiences of color, and I let's call it what it is, is deeper and more meaningful than it is to me, white dude Patrick O'Dowd, who appreciates what the movie was, who appreciates Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal of T'Challa and the angst and everything that he goes through. But for me, that character is less, I, I connected less to it than I did even a Miles Morales, which I'm surprised y'all didn't give me a hard time about why is he on the list and Chadwick's not. And for me, it's because Spider-Man, first of all, is my favorite superhero of all time. Spoiler alert, going to be my number one on the Marvel list. There will be no question it will be Spider-Man. Uh, and I I think it was Ray. I think you were the one who said it. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. Period, no in my opinion. No and yeah. the portrayal of Miles Morales and everything that Spider-Man has been made to embody from the day Stanley made it um, is embodied beautifully and almost perfectly, in my opinion, in portrayal of Miles Morales in that film. The self-doubt, the fear of disappointing others, the fear that you're going that that you're not good enough, that you're not adequate, and that you're gonna you're gonna fail people is a very real connected thing that every human being can experience. And for me, that was eminently more relatable for me as a, as a, as a fan and somebody who's putting together his own personal list of the greatest heroes of all time than a Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa and his wrestling with his heritage and his ancestry and his traditions and arguing that they're wrong 
and having to make those decisions to 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 step forward out of the shadow of something else and something bigger. And so for me, again, it's my list. And for me, I didn't feel justified putting him on the list. And so that's why he was left off of my top ten. Can I retort? You can retort. Um, my and I don't know. This isn't to change your your mind because we know that's done and that's fine. I completely accept your list. Not you had a good list. It's just it was a bit of an omission to us. But my retort is this: I thought the lists were supposed to be the the greatest, the best top ten, and not our favorites. Because if we're going by what you're saying, I don't give a shit about Superman. There's nothing for me. But I, I think I would be personally ignorant to ignore the fact that he is the preeminent superhero of all time to leave him off. So if we're going best, no qualms whatsoever. But if, I mean, if we're going favorites, no qualms whatsoever with your list or with omitting him because I get it. Everybody doesn't affect everybody in the same way. Right. Judge Dredd. I've never seen that movie. Never will. But I know it affected people in a certain way. But if we're going to do the best or most important or greatest I don't see how that person, that that movie and that character in particular can be left off, given everything that it's meant, not only from a movie standpoint and a personal standpoint, but from a success standpoint and a cultural standpoint. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's my only so, retort to that. Well, and, and I appreciate your retort. I, I will say that every time we've done these projects, they're, they're, and, and from day one-ish, to, to quote the Usos, I have always been very clear that these are our lists and that it is not necessarily indicative or defined by kind of a consensus or whatever. So, like I said, I was perfectly comfortable with it. I understand. And I get that, you know, the other four of you had to chow on there. I didn't feel right about putting him on that list. And, you know, it's, again, I love the character, love the movie think it's phenomenal do understand and respect the cultural impact also don't think that heroes for me like yeah. and and for me to put it on uh, on a list that is my list that's that's why i left them off yeah none of these lists are objective i mean there's some object sure. objectivity brought into it i, I think you know we ne- we never go into this saying here's the criteria you have to use because it is all subjective to us so in that respect i i get what pat what patrick's saying uh even if i if i don't agree but that's because that's, that's my own opinion and, and pat's got and his opinion mad respect ray that uh, on the the dislike of superman you can leave him off any list you want dude he's a he's just kind of a tool i can't leave him off because i'm gonna get a phone call from my lawyer yeah exactly you will <laughs> cease and desist for <laughs> no i mean i mean it's it's hard to leave. I mean, if you do a, I mean, when we get to the DC list, if you leave Superman completely off the list, yeah, that even yeah. subjectively, that's a little bit of a problem. But no, more I got, on I that in two weeks. One man, what are you talking about? Booster Gold's number one, and that Blue Beetle for the win, man. That's right, damn it. Um, for the record, Hawkeye is going to be my number one if we talk about our favorites on Marvel. So I'm just saying. And that's fine, dude. It's your list. That's the point. It is your list. So I I have no qualm. And I love Hawkeye. Hawkeye will be in my in my top ten. Um, and I, I guess I spoil my Marvel top ten for next week. Um, so, yeah. So the other one, Chris Evans. This To me, this is kind of the ultimate debate in the MCU. 
Iron Man or Captain America, like Civil War. That's the whole storyline behind the Civil War. And again, this goes down to this this story arc of Captain America between like the character arc of Steve Rogers versus the character arc of Tony Stark. They're they're two sides of what I would say are a very similar coin. And I just have always I've always appreciated the the Captain America story arc more. And Chris Evans plays it so well as this guy from you know the first Avenger who is is the Christopher Reeve Superman, right? He's the truth, justice, and American way type of guy. And to watch him one be the man out of time trying to reconcile this world that he's been thrust back into 70 years after he left it and having him question the values of the country that you know he believed in so firmly and ardently to the point where he becomes a criminal in the eyes of the United States government and, and finally going full circle to being going from being selfless to actually doing something for himself at the end and just being completely at peace with everything. And Tony Stark follows a very similar arc in terms of just him being this reluctant hero to, to at the end, accepting his fate and snapping the finger and sacrificing himself. And when he dies, he's at peace with it and you get it through the eulogy with Steve Rogers, he's at peace with it. And you get it with him being old man, Steve Rogers handing over the shield to Sam. And like, I don't shed a tear when Tony Stark dies, but when Sam gets the shield and cap is like, and he says, try it on. And he asks Sam how it feels. And Sam says like, it's somebody else's. And Steve says, it's not. And Sam just says, thank you. I'll do my best. And Steve says, that's why, that's why it's yours. Like to me, I'm like, oh, he's done. Like he is, he is fulfilled. He is at peace and he knows he's done the right thing. And Steve Rogers has always been my guy in the MCU. And so when it came down to choosing between him and Tony Stark, I, I, again, it's about connections. I always connected with Captain America a little bit more than I did with Tony Stark. And so that's why he was my number one. And I agree with that statement because I connect more with Captain America than Tony Stark, um, even though I had them reversed on the order. But for the record, none of us really had a qualm with your pick for Chris Evans, number one. We just wanted to hear we just wanted to hear why you thought he was number one and, and get your take on that, because I mean, we were all like, I mean, he was on all of our lists. I'm pretty sure. Who, Tony Stark or Captain America? No, Chris, Chris Evans was on all of our lists. And I think we all had Not Robert, my top 10. Yeah, we had Downey a little bit higher. But, um, yeah, but that was largely based on, on just, I think it was uh, from my standpoint. And I know we mentioned it last week. It's because Downey's performance. It's like, you look at him and say, I don't think anybody could replace him as Iron Man. And I'm not saying anybody could replace Chris Evans as Captain America, but they're already working on replacing Captain America. So it's a little bit different, but I, I mean, I, I thought it was a great pick. Uh, we just, I think I just personally wanted to hear, you know, why, why Pat go with, uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, number one. And, I, I like your explanation. Not that you give a shit what and, I think, but I like it anyway. So there you go. And and to add, again, I, didn't, I know I'm speaking more to a macro and not a micro situation, but there essentially is no MCU without Downing. 
one could argue that Downey's portrayal of Tony Stark is the most important portrayal of a superhero ever, given what it's done for the genre and the success and the viability of those style of movies. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot behind that. There's he he is a he is the linchpin, you know, and it, at the very end because he's he was the first. Right, but you Iron could Man you was... could make the argument that it's Downey and Evans who really launched the MCU. Without those two performances, it, it doesn't it doesn't fly. Maybe I actually think that Thor, oddly enough, that that them surviving Thor was was as big of in, as anything because that was the first out there Marvel movie, like really out there Marvel movie, and it had to get it. Had, you got to get past that, and people accepted it right like at the end like it didn't do great it's not regarded as one of the greatest mcu movies of all time but between that and you know tony stark being the thread throughout the whole thing you're right uh the mcu that first phase there were a lot of opportunities for it to go wrong and it didn't and so you know there was a there's a disappointing hulk movie in there there's but, just but even there's that so wasn't i mean even that wasn't bad and not enough to sink the whole ship so you yeah, know, there's only I mean, really been one bad MCU movie to me, and that's that's the Dark World. And even that wasn't trash, but it was it wasn't good. It was it was a running in place movie. It's like a, it's like uh, Age of Ultron, kind of running in place a little bit. So, all right. Any other questions about my list? Yes, I did include Judge Dredd. Um, and this is again purely from a I fucking love Stallone being over the top, yelling "I am the law" at Rob Schneider. Like it's when I was in college, that movie was exactly ninety minutes long, and so I could put it in in between classes, watch it, and get to class in time. Uh, I think it was like my sophomore year of college. It was just this random random little thing and so i watched the shit out of that movie um if not then let's there was a lot of news that floated around the nerdosphere this week that we ended up sharing in our chat that i thought was was worth some conversation before we actually get into our list get into the list itself and the first one that i'm going to do is from screen rant that has later been followed up on by some other sites. I saw it on io9. I've seen it in a couple other places. That's a little bit of Star Wars news that dropped, announcing that Star Wars Rangers of the New Republic has, depending on the source or the article that you read, either been halted and canceled entirely, or the production has been put on an indefinite pause, which basically means that it's been canceled entirely. I don't know that I find this is necessarily surprising news, but gentlemen, your reaction, let's start with PC Tunney. Yeah, I think right away the reaction I had was, is this has got to be, they were banking on Gina Carano carrying this show, and now it's like, hey, we got enough on our plate, otherwise let's wait and see if we can find someone else to fill this role or find a better story to go with. I mean, we all kind of felt the same about that, right? Yeah, I think um, as Gina became a little more vocal in her views it became much more of a liability for her to be held on to and of course you know she got let go from the mandalorian and at that time they were saying from all other star wars productions so we we had contemplated at the time what this would mean for the show and could they go forward without her and i think we argued that they could but it just seems strange to try dave what do you think Yeah, not not very surprised by the news. I think, you know, we talked 
when the whole thing with Gina Carano went down, I know I think it was Ray and and we we contemplated whether you could recast Cara Dune and we kind of thought that you really couldn't, but that she wasn't integral to whatever story they were going to tell. And it looks like uh, Disney and Lucasfilm has just decided that the entire story wasn't integral to whatever bigger story they want to tell. And so they're just moving on. They've got, you know, you've got uh, Ahsoka coming out. You've got Book of Boba Fett coming out. You've got um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming out. So they've got a lot Andor. of... Uh, and or they've got a lot of irons in the fire. The fact that this show is not going to get greenlit, at least for the time being, because of the issues with Gina Carano, not surprising. But I don't think it really it really alters the landscape too much because no one knew what to expect anyway. So it's it's all right. Let them let them go in a different direction. I I mean I'm not surprised and and I'm fine with it. Rev, your thoughts. The most interesting thing to me about this was the fact that. Of all the shows that, that were kind of greenlit and being prepared, this was the only one that didn't really have a connective tissue to something kind of more broad or bigger. And I even include Bad Batch because you guys have explained to me very eloquently that is directly related to Clone War, to uh, the Clone Wars and to Rebels. So it's interesting to me that when you get rid of your, your star that you want to kind of build this show, how low on the totem pole this, this show really really ends up being. And the the Rangers can be on any show. They can pop up anywhere. So do they need a 10 to 13 episode season to tell their story? Because like I I I've always thought this wasn't more this was as much about the Rangers as it was about Cara Dune joining the Rangers and what that in, entailed. Uh, so no, it's not surprising. Um, it's a little disappointing, but I mean, things are what they are and we got so much Star Wars stuff coming in the next two, three, four or five years. We won't miss it. And we'll, we'll get Rangers in some form or fashion, just not as a one thought out TV show, series, miniseries, whatever. So it's, it, it's, it all going to make itself work out in the end. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. You mentioned connective tissue, by the way. I just finished watching Star Wars Rebels, uh, another one of the animated series on there. And the last couple of episodes actually have a connection to The Mandalorian and hmm. show us how, yes, because, it, it, and, and specifically around Ahsoka, because the big bad of Rebels is Grand Admiral Thrawn. And in Star Wars Rebels, Ahsoka faces off against Darth Vader and is presumed dead. And spoiler alert, she is pulled out by the uh, the main character who I'm now losing his Ezra. name. Ezra. Ezra. Yes. Ezra Bridger saves her. Uh, it basically, in some in a Jedi temple back in time, it's a whole thing. Um, but he rescues her. They go on separate paths. And Ezra, I didn't know this. Ezra disappears at the end of Rebels, uh, and and with Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so Ahsoka, and those whale-like creatures, right? They all vanish right. together. Yeah, force whales. It's it's a whole thing. Yes, there are force whales. Everybody, they have tentacles. It's a thing. Um, and so Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn because of the end of Rebels. That nobody knows what's happened to them. So, and there is another character, uh, a Mandalorian character who, um, 
shoot, I'm gonna I'm forgetting Sabina Wren is her name, who is also looking for Ezra. And so I wonder if she's not gonna show up in the Ahsoka show whenever that comes to be. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Dave, the next bit of news I wanna I wanna share with it has to do with you. In the rundown, I even wrote it as Dave's <laughs> Man Crush has a new gig, as it was reported by Variety, and then again has been corroborated by other sources that your boy, Henry Cavill, has been cast in the Highlander reboot. Now we know Henry Cavill can wield a sword. We've seen it in The Witcher. Dave, talk about your man crush and his new gig. How you feeling? Are you a little uh, moist? No. I, I, the fact that you said moist on this podcast is very disturbing, Twice. Patrick. Twice. That that's that's just wrong. Are you excited? I, I'm gonna have to edit that out in post production. I you know as far as uh as far as Henry Cavill doing Highlander, I, you know it. I guess it's about time. We got a Highlander reboot. I, I wonder what took them so long. So, yeah, I mean, who's he going to play? The main, the main, like the guy who Christopher Lambert played, or or, or yeah, who, okay, yes. So yeah, there can there can be only one. Yes, I think you know he's he's got the the range to pull that character off. Um, Highlander is one of those ones that that I was like the rest of the population. I didn't really get it when it first came out, and then it, as years passed, I started to enjoy it more. But I think I think Henry Cavill's occupation. I was into Highlander from the second that thing hit, man. Well, I want to know who's going to play Juan Sanchez via Lobos Ramirez. Good <laughs> question. Yeah, that's going to make the who, movie. I mean, who's going didn't to Sean Connery play him in the original? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we got to get a we got to get a Scottish guy. Seamus. Seamus should play him. There you go. Perfect. We'll have Seamus play him. Fella, you're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think the the movie's got a lot of potential. I think Henry Cavill can do that kind of role. I mean, that's right. It's not that far removed from what he does with The Witcher, to be honest with you. I mean, it's and the further he gets away from the Man of Steelish type of roles, the better it is for him. So, yeah, I I'm, I'm in. Take my money. I'll go watch it. Sure. Ray, have you ever seen a Highlander movie? No, not one time at all. But hey, if Seamus is in, I'm in. Like you, 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 you got me what, down, bro. What do you think of Flash Gordon? Hey, it, it's 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 so good. It's it's just fantastic. The yeah. cinematography and and uh-huh. the plot and the story. Yeah. Ooh, the story and and the characters. Man, the way the dude and the other dude. Oh my God! Blown away. Blown Flash. away, huh? All right. I take it you didn't see it, right? Even though you bought it, you didn't I, watch it? I, I, man, look, I really haven't had the time, brother. Now, either, Next week on Bandwagon me? Nerds, Flash Gordon Watch Along. There you go. Outside of Ray, we can't. We got to we, we gotta continue the Heroes Project. It's Marvel. You're not going to do that to Marvel. Anyway, I ain't got that kind of time. I got five hours. I, I'm, anyway, um. Did anybody here ever watch the series on USA? The like some of it, yeah. Oh, what is this? Lie, sweet sugar pie. Oh, how I wish you were mine. Looking so good. 
like you know you should. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chris, we just we just cast Seamus into the new Highlander movie. What do you think of that, man? Is he going to get his head chopped off? I'll be here for it. Oh, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, that voice you're hearing is Christopher Platt coming back onto the show, crashing the show, huh? What's up? You're always invited, but how you doing, man? I am phenomenal. Thank you very much for asking. I just wanted to do a brief run in, man. Fuck with you guys a little bit. Let you guys know I enjoy the work that you do. This is literally one of my favorite podcasts to listen to every week. And on the opportunities where I'm blessed to be able to come on, it is an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. I mean, the audience likes it. There you go. Thank you, sir, very much. Appreciate you. We were just uh, giving Ray a hard time because he still hasn't watched Flash Gordon. So, you know, no, nice I watched it. I just gave you the synopsis of the movie. Yes, yeah, a very detailed rundown of <laughs> that thing that happened with that dude in the movie. The other it was dude. a terrific rundown. We're about to shift to a story. I'm about to hand this over to you anyway, Ray, because you dropped the okay. next bit of story on us, the next DC animated movie that's going to be coming out. And this is kind of unique because. This one isn't based on a comic book story arc. It is based on a video game. And that is Injustice Gods Among Us has been announced. I said it was coming to the big screen. I don't think it's coming to the big screen because the animated features don't typically go to the big screen. They usually typically go straight to streaming or video or whatever. So I'm assuming this will be an HBO Max special um, sort of deal. But I'm going to be honest. I've never played the game. Um, Fighting games are never really my thing. So I'm going to hand this over to Ray Cash. Tell me, one, how excited you are for this next animated feature, and two, why in the hell should I watch it? Why should anybody watch it? Well, um, thank you for your time, sir. Um, 10 out of 10. I, the, the, ga- you, the game is fantastic. The whole story is fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm excited, 10 out of 10 also. Um, if you're not watching DC's animated movie series, you're missing out. It's better than their live-action movie series. We, we speak about it all the time on the show that the one thing that DC is clearly beating Marvel in is their animation. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen um, Justice League War, uh, Dark Apocalypse War, or whatever it is, that may be one of the best animated movies you'll ever see. Um, much like you speak about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it's one of the best right, like superhero movies you'll ever see. Anyway. The reason the justice is so unique is because, like you said, it's one of the first times that a story for a video game is kind of, in a superhero realm is kind of being adapted. The interesting thing and the hook about it is, what if Superman went cricket? Now, that is something that we talk about, we bloviate about, but we've never really been able to see in any form of television. Maybe he's mad, maybe he's angry, but we've never seen evil, maniacal um kind of utilitarian superman and in this situation joker tricks superman into beating up into basically killing lois and his unborn child and he goes crazy and then turns the world into his own utilitarian prison and half of the heroes go crooked half of the heroes go bad some of the villains turn good some of the villains turn bad and there's some multiverse in there, but it is a really amazingly cool, different, and 
just interesting way to perceive kind of the, the world of DC. It is worth the watch. It's worth delving into that world and seeing it. It will be you will it'll be an hour and a half worth your time. Not even like that one where he is what didn't he in there one where like Superman ends up in Russia. With Russia? <laughs> Red Sun Superman. Is he evil in that one, son? Yeah. Or is he just he's, he's just, just an agent of the Russians? This is different. Yeah. Gotcha. This is different. Supermansky. And and, and Supermansky Ray drink vodka. I mean, Ray raises a I mean most fighting games don't have an engrossing story like this one does. This is the nope. greatest story ever revolved around a fighting game by far. And, Agreed. and, 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 and close. yeah, it's not close. Uh, this is, this is for all the people out there who no offense to anybody, especially Ray or any of these other people who say Superman's too goody goody and he's too much this and he's too much that. And he's not, you know, I, I, I don't like him cause he's just too milk toasty white meat, baby face. This not is, this. this is what you get if that all gets turned around and it's not pretty and it's not pleasant. And he makes Homelander look like a fucking pussy in every way possible. This is the story of what happens to Superman when he's pushed too far. And, and it, it, it it is disturbing by far. It it was so and the, the games are so good that they turned it into a a comic series. DC ran Mm -hmm. with this. It's so powerful that it's injected in, in, Zack Snyder's Justice League. The dream sequences are all injustice. They are all injustice. Mm-hmm. And and Sorry, you talked about the worst Justice League movie I've ever made. Sorry, I lost you. Zack Snyder's Justice League was the worst one ever made. Anyway, yeah, it's just terrible it's trash. <sighs> one of one. But I mean, literally though, isn't that the Superman heel turn? Isn't that literally the premise of the boys? And I and I know Dave, you kind of alluded to Homelander, and you're saying that this no. Superman is like Homelander a is Homelander is always bad. This is what happens yeah. when you take a virtuous guy, a, a, a being who has godlike powers, who always kept it in check, and he finally cracks. gets to the point he cracks. He's like, "Fuck he all these him. people! Everybody!" Joker broke Superman. Joker broke Superman. And then Joker kills, or bat, or Superman kills Joker. Batman's actually yeah. trying to stop Superman, and you get Superman versus Batman. But this is not Superman who's holding back. This is Superman who's out to destroy Batman. And Batman eventually gets the better of him sooner or later. But it's um it's an enormously powerful story. I, I think this one has the potential to be right up there with Flashpoint Paradox, which in my opinion yep. is still the greatest animated superhero movie of all time, including Into the Spider-Verse. Sorry, guys. That's just my opinion. It's great. It's great. But it's fine. It's a wrong opinion, but you know, kind of like apparently my uh, your Chadwick Boseman opinion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, But Uh, it's it's going to be an awesome. I mean, I I can't wait for it to come out just to see them bring that to the screen in any capacity because it's it it it, it, people like that alternate history sort of stuff, and this is this is the ultimate ultimate alternate history. So yeah, it's I I'm thrilled. Let me give a little more context for the record. When you say this is the most immersive and the strongest, best storyline for a fighting game ever, you can go on YouTube and watch just the cutscenes, and it's an hour and forty-five minutes. Cool. Just the cutscenes for the for the for the for the game. Yeah, I mean the, the, the actual fighting depth. aspect of it is, is okay. It's the worst part. It, it's it's, it's part not great. It's not Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter Four or anything like that. It's fine. And to use Patrick's word, it's fine. But it's uh, but yeah, it is the story that really makes this game exceptional. 
both both it, one and two. It sounds very excited. You sound like you just saw Henry Cavill walk out of a shower. You're so excited, Dave. So I am all for it. I'm oh, looking it's just like you to, saw I'm, Carmella cameo or something like that, Patrick. So. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I love that that's your comeback. Like I threw Henry Cavill at you and you're like, whatever, this really smoking hot woman just showed up in front of you. Well, yeah. Okay. I will bring I'm my wife on to dispute everything you just said about me. So. Okay. Fair. You you That's can have fair. man crushes. It's not like, fair. Everybody's uh, got man crushes. Don't don't be afraid of yourself. Don't hide from your feelings. As Stay long as, as, long as yours isn't Corey Graves or something, we're okay. <laughs> it's an illegal um, tactic. An illegal tactic. That's fair. Valid. I'm actually glad that Platt is on the show. By the way, because this next topic, I have an ally to join me in talking about, because. I just titled this next topic, Oh God, No, Please God, No. <laughs> because now here's the best rundowns in the business, by the way, everybody. Patrick O'Dowd, best rundowns in the business. I want to preface this by saying this was reported by wegotthiscovered.com. Oh, and yeah, that, that is like the that is like the Dave Meltzer dirt sheet Hollywood news reporting. Any like friends. Yep. If you if an article starts with we got this from someone on Reddit who was right about this, they're probably lying. If if I may to copy my good friend Mr. Pizza Pizza what's it called? Pizza Funny. Pizza, pizza Funny. Pizza who? Funny. Who? We got this covered. No, the oh, other I guy you. you mentioned. I got you. Oh, Walter? oh I got you. That's who? Who? Anyway, that's, that's so, a lunch special. You get a oh, so gosh, two gosh. two you get a patty melt to seltzer. Sorry. To our bullet point here, we got this covered is reporting that Marvel is interested in one Zack Snyder to direct, write, do something with a ghost writer with the ghost writer franchise. We already got Ray Cash flexing. I isn't Keanu no, Reeves partially committed? No. Isn't Keanu Reeves partially committed to play Ghost Rider? I, I mean, Keanu Reeves is partially committed to play every character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. Like, he's been connected to Moon Knight. He's been connected to Kang. He's been connected. These are all other roles that have been cast by other well, people. It just makes I, sense because I know Kung Fu. Right. He is an amazing actor. So everybody knows how I feel about Zack Snyder. So I don't want to take up too much airspace talking about why I think this is a terrible idea. I, I couldn't um, understand. I, I couldn't get that from your earlier comments. But go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, no! you like Zach. Well, but before we get to that, just real quick, man, I have to uh, send a shout out to the great American novel Shallow Streams by IP Freely, aka the Carmella and Corey Graves story. Thank you. Yeah. I, I thought it was worth mentioning. I could see that. I yeah. hear I thought you were gonna help me with Zack Snyder and you and you went there. <laughs> oh no, I'm definitely finna help you up with Zack Snyder. You already know, man. I, I just you know, go ahead, man. You you are the best so, table setter in the business. So Dave's first question was how will they do the penance stare in slow motion? Like I, I uh, it's everything about that, like is gonna be Zack Snyder slow motion. And we I'm sorry, we are I am done with the Zack Snyder train. All right, we got because I know you all gonna make me review Army of the Dead, aren't you? You gonna make me watch that stupid ass two and a half hour movie on Netflix? It was that, fun. Uh, it's a fun see, movie. Course Ray's already watched it. Uh, two and a half hours for smart fast zombies? What? Anyway, 
Uh, he, he did an interview where he's talking about how he's got a director's cut of Sucker Punch. That movie was terrible. We don't need a director's. We don't need 30 more minutes of Sucker Punch. That was a 15-year-old schoolboy's wet dream. That was what that movie was. There was no Sucker Punch. That just movie was trash. I don't want him trashing Johnny Blaze. We are Nicolas Cage already did that. We don't need to do that a second time because we're going to show every chain flying around in slow motion. We're going to have to go super dark. That's the only thing that's working is this is a dark comic. So at least he won't have to fuck that up by taking something cheerful like Superman and making it all dark and dreary. He's got that. But come on. This is going to be, oh, I hate him so much. I want him to not direct anything ever again. Patrick, Patrick, your heart rate is dangerously high. Two deep breaths and a drink of water, okay? You better go back to drinking scotch. You got to go back to drinking scotch, brother. That's all I got to say. He's right. He is absolutely right. Endgame. The Avengers Endgame. They literally paid off every single throwaway line that had happened in the 12 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the MCU as as you say. So you're going to bring a guy on and I don't understand where you Zack Snyder fans get all this nuance and subtlety in his movies. There is none! There's no goddamn nuance or subtlety in any Zack Snyder film. It's all explosions and huge cock pieces. And you got the Russo brothers you got Ryan Coogler, John Favreau did an excellent job directing the Iron Man movies, and I'm sure there's some other directors that I'm I'm missing out on off the top of my head. James Gunn, I know there's kind of some controversy there, but some he did a guy great named job Taika Waititi, you know, stuff like that. Taika, but, yeah. yeah, you've got Coogler. access to melon farmers that can actually pull this story off. Why the fuck would you introduce the cancer to directing that is Zack Snyder? Into your perfectly manicured and crafted universe. You know it the answer no to sense. that. You know the answer to that, Chris. Money. Money. Thank you, Ray. Money. Because right now, that Zack Snyder's Justice League has a undercurrent of popularity of people who want to see that universe continued. Warner Brothers has said, no, that's not happening. So Disney and Marvel say, hey, there's a money opportunity here. We can grab him, give him some fringe character so that even if he fucks it up, who gives a shit? Let's let him run with it. Ghost Rider can't do, can't do, do worse. Serious question, Ray. I want Ray to go first, and then I do have a serious question. I I, I won't. It's not a ranting question, but go ahead, Ray. I, no, ask your question because we may be talking about the same thing. So the the one thing that really does stick with me on this, and again, I you got to consider the source and, and where this is coming from. Like again, this is a lot of speculation and rumor. Zack Snyder, like the big thing about hearing what Zack Snyder talked about in regards to his conflict with Warner brothers and just being given permission or whatever you want to call it to go back and do this director's cut. He talked a lot about the freedom to kind of do what he wanted and to tell the story that he wanted to do. That's not going to happen with Marvel to an extent. Feige and, and, and and, uh, like Disney really kind of has that thread on lockdown as to where it's going to go. And so I also just wonder purely on fit, whether or not this is a good fit between the two parties. And I'm not saying whether you think you can make a good movie or a bad movie, given what Zack Snyder wants to do. And right now, for as much as I don't like the guy has the cachet to do, like there's no denying he's a hot director right now. 
Like, there's not. Like, he's everywhere, whether it's this Justice League cut, whether it's Army of the Dead, whether it's, you know, being able to give an art, an interview where he can say that he's going to make sucker, where, where he has a sucker punch director's cut out there. Like, that all that, all that exists. So, from, from a Marvel money-making perspective, sure, I totally get it. Hot director, he's got some success with this other franchise that popped up on HBO Max. Though, if you go look at the numbers, it wasn't quite as great as everybody says it was. Um, but he's he's kind of known for wanting his independence on how this looks. And that was what he got when he got DC. Like, he was the Kevin Feige of DCU before what happened with his daughter happened. And to that point, that's the reason why that's exactly why I think it'll work in, in in MCU because he was given autonomy and then it was stripped away from him and then he just wanted it back. If he goes to the MCU, the one thing every director knows is your vision will be portrayed, but you have to fall in line with the overall vision of our brand and our MCU. So if he really did sign on, then that's something that I know he's had to accept. Because as much cachet as he has, there is not a person that has more cachet in the movie business right now than Kevin Feige. Secondly, true. I want to add. I want to add that I don't think me or Dave or Tony is caping for Jack Snyder. It's just funny to see y'all go off. I could care less uh, if he does the movie or not. But the, the the question I have for all of you in con- in concurrence with this topic is: Why y'all think it's got to be Johnny Blaze? Why can't it be Robbie? Why can't we go somewhere new and give a new story? Because I'm, I'm not saying Johnny can't already, be it or shouldn't be it. Because I think like eight or nine months ago, they said that Keanu Reeves was going to play Johnny. That was the that was the idea. They may they may have, but to Patrick's point, Keanu's been been uh, um, not only rumored but kind of said that he was going to be Kane. That said he was going to be Craven. Said he was going to be Moonlight. Keanu's been re- literally put with almost every major non. Hell, Keanu might be Galactus for all we know. Like they keep swearing. At one point, Keanu was supposed to be Black Knight. <laughs> Ray. Sorry, Wolverine uh, Ray. Ray. He's going to be Wolverine Ray. Ray. Got it. Ray, Ray, don't yell at me. Look, l- let me tell you something here, pizza guy. Funny. Uh, pizza, pizza funny. Jeez, get it right, man. My bad. Don't call you Ray Dollars. <laughs> that's probably a doper name than Ray Cash. If I'm honest with you, low, low key, it, it it is actually. But I mean, the problem with bringing introducing Zack Snyder into that MCU is because there is a level of pith and weightiness to those MCU movies Ooh. and depth that Zack Snyder has not shown that he can provide with any of his movies. I mean, the best place for Zack Snyder would probably be the Fast and Furious franchise, but even those have more of an upbeat and light tone, which, you know, Zack Snyder, he's all about I shit. So I don't even think that will work. You call him Michael Bay. Basically, you're saying he's Michael Bay with the comb over. No, Michael Bay makes entertaining movies. Shit. Why did I even try? Those first two Transformer movies weren't entertaining shoot 'em up, bang bang, explosion movies. Zack Snyder can't pull that off. So uh, we don't like Watchmen anymore? We don't like 300? Like That's Watchmen. the one, 300. That's the one. I don't like I don't Watchmen. I like 300. I, Watchmen I like the Zack Snyder movie I like. The only thing that, that pissed me off about 300 is the, the, the racial overtones with them fighting the Persians and shit like that. Yeah, but that's okay. that's neither here nor there. But that's okay. that's that's his one. That's it. Yeah, that's I don't it. Even like Dawn of the Dead. 
Like I'll, I'll even own. I don't even like Dawn of the Dead, so you, you can't even put that one on me. Uh, but anyway, I that's think Romero I think, though. That's Romero shit. No, he remade it. He, no, he but that's Romero shit. He took no, Romero shit and remade it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We're not okay, going to disrespect the good goddamn you. name of yeah. We're not no, going to disrespect the good goddamn name of George Romero. Yeah, all right. I would never do that to George. Um, okay, I think I think Tony or Platinum. I almost said Tony. Tony doesn't need a break. Tony's been calm, calmer than I am. He's he's been totally calm. Uh, but Platinum got a little worked up here, uh, so we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, before we do that, it is my duty to remind everyone that you need to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up a shirt if you love what we do and the content that we put out. We have all kinds of good ways for you to represent us, whether that's buying a shirt with the original chair shot logo or a shirt from any of our wonderful programs, including this one, to even some of the great catchphrases out there that we love to use, like hashtag journalism or Save tag team wrestling favorites of mine. You can get them in your standard style for $19.99 or f- spend a few dollars more if you're feeling fancy and get them soft style. We really do appreciate all the contributions that people make, and it allows us to keep putting out great podcasts daily. So once again, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Get a shirt. Thank you very much for your support. When we come back, we will start our top 10 heroes of independent comics. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, 
PWX, over-the-top shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Before we get going into our list, really quickly, want to say a quick thanks to Christopher Platt for stopping by. He has made his brief appearance and is going to be heading out. Mr. Platt, before you go, anything you want to say to the masses? Hey, man, thank you guys for having me on, even though I did myself and crashed your, your party. And, you know, to quote Forrest Gump, I'm sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party. But <laughs> hey, man, you guys can check me out on Twitter at the Real C Plaid. Make sure y'all keep supporting and patronizing this show. This is an awesome show. Again, this is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to on a week in and week out basis. Thank you guys for having me on. Just real brief, and continue to nerd out. We will definitely do that. All right. So there you go, folks. Christopher Platt, give him a follow. He is all over the Chair Shot Radio Network. You can hear his voice every other day, every day, every commercial. We got him everywhere. All right. We are going to jump in this week, as with the Villains Project, I'm sure, hardest of the project phases that we do, as we are going to cover our top 10 heroes of independent comics i will share that for myself personally this was an easier list for me to put together than the villains one uh for what it's worth uh quick once around the room to anybody who wants to contribute uh thoughts on this particular list i will share when it comes to this properties that were purchased are fair game to consider as independents. If they were released as an independent comic, but then bought by, say, DC or Marvel later on, I counted them. Uh, and that's important because there's a couple of those on my list. But other thoughts? How do, I'll, how be, do? I'll be brief here. I, I actually messaged Patrick last week, and I was like, I'm not going to make a list. I don't know a lot about independent comics, and I didn't want to just fake a list, right? But then in doing some research, I came up with a top 10 of things that I've experienced somewhat maybe a couple, a little bit more than somewhat. And then I put on some things that I don't really know about that I'm looking forward to. So I will participate, but in a very light way, (laughs) just to be honest with everybody. I'm looking forward to listening to you guys mainly about what you really love about all these different independent heroes. Cool. Kind of of the same, but with Tony, you know, independent comics aren't really my my strongest attribute. But I, I definitely... I know I have more than enough for a top 10, but I would like to say, like I did with the villain project, I took a few liberties. I, I'm I'm fell underneath the parameters, but I took a couple liberties with some of these people. And I can't wait surprised. to hear how Fern Gully, the, the hero of Fern Gully, got on this list. Hey, you gotta wait. Just like last week, they was like, maybe Superman's number one, maybe he's not, bro. We know Superman's number one. <laughs> We know Maybe. Fern Gully's number one. There's no doubt about that. Maybe. Maybe. I, I'm just... You know, it's funny you mentioned the Villain Project, Pat, because I actually went back and listened to that episode, which gave me a lot of ideas for right. this list. Uh, one, like, the my number 10 is 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 going to be, like, Ray gave me the idea from when he did the uh, 
the villain project with one of the people he had on there. And I came up with the idea for that from there. Yeah, there's there's some interesting choices. One of them that's well, we'll get to it. I mean, I think we've all taken a little bit of liberties with the hero project here and there in a few places. So sure, let's get to it. This for me, actually, funny, funny enough, this is one every every single one of these is an independent character that I didn't have a lot of trouble coming up with. So uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick. Good for me. Uh, this week's order, I'm actually going to shuffle a little bit. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it the way it is. So this week's order is going to be Tony kicking us off, followed by Ray, Dave, and I will bring up the proverbial rear. And so, Tony, you said you were keeping it light. Keep it light with your number 10 selection, sir. All right. Number 10. I uh, did some research, and, and G.I. Joe is definitely a, an independent comic. And I'm going to go with none other than the man I would love to interview. And he also follows me, which is great. And I recently watched him on WWE's Treasure Hunters. And that's Sergeant Slaughter and his character. And he actually leaves the WWE, signs with, what was it, Hasbro at the time, and becomes part of the G.I. Joe universe. So I think that's freaking awesome. And I I know we talk about stretching. I don't know if that even stretches it. I think it kind of qualifies right there on itself. So... I, I think that's great. I remember watching the cartoon as a kid. I've seen the comics. I've seen some of the really old comics. What do they start in the 40s or 50s, right? Um, An honorable mention to Duke, who is the leader of the G.I. Joe crew, uh, who is their biggest hero in reality in the comic book. So that's my number 10, Sergeant Slaughter slash Duke from G.I. Joe. I remember, and he left the WWE because in part because of wanting to be able to market his G.I. Joe stuff. And he went to the AWA and was part of the infamous Team Challenge series and had G.I. had the G.I. Joe logo on his wrestling gear uh, as part of that cross promotion. So uh, fond memories of Sergeant Slaughter and his time with the Joes. Mr. Ray Cash, your number 10. For the record, uh, great pick, Tony. Never would have thought of that. And shout out to Snake Eyes getting a, sh- a movie coming out soon. Eddie's oh, maggots. That trailer looks awesome. It does. And I actually like the original G.I. Joe movie with uh, Marlon and Channing Tatum. So I'm excited right. for that. And they killed him in the second one. Of course they did. You know how they do. And they um, had so. Well, yeah, this, yeah. I don't like the second one as much with the Rock and Bruce Willis. I like the first one. The first one's kind of fun. Um, my number 10 is a guy who I know a little bit of, but again, I think the importance of this dude's character and the kind of lexicon of independent comics kind of sneaks him on my list. My number 10 is Midnighter from Wildstorm. And, um, I know from what I know about Midnighter, he's kind of like if Batman had enhanced abilities in a way, but I think the importance of who he is as a character and forgive me for not going to his power set is the fact that before they turned Iceman gay, he was probably the most prominent gay character in the comics, male gay character in the comics. He has a very prominent relationship with Apollo. They're married. They have their own mini series of comics. And he is one of many characters that goes to show that just because you're male and gay, you don't have to be a feminine. You could be a badass and kick ass too. And you don't have to be the stereotype of what so many people thought a gay man was historically. Um, Midnighter one of, was one of the 
kind of preeminent heroes of Wildstorm. So uh, I, I picked him as my number 10, just kind of shout that out. And also, too, if you read the character, you know anything about the character, like, it's pretty badass, too. So shout out to Midnighter. Excellent. Nice call, Ray. Oh, so my number 10, I, I mentioned it earlier. Ray kind of gave me the idea for this when he picked Amanda Waller for, from Suicide Squad and the Hero Project. Because when he did that, I'm like, Amanda Waller is a villain? I guess so. So my number 10 is kind of a, it's a companion sort of situation. It's the will with his companion lion cat from saga. And I absolutely love saga is like my second favorite independent comic of all time. And it's way out there and it's, it's weird, but it's awesome at the same time. The will starts out as the bounty hunter who is tracking Marco. And I think Alana is the, is her name, the, the mismatched couple who end up having the baby. But as he's going along doing this, the will kind of he rescues a slave girl from a, a very abusive situation. And, and he's he's it, similar to Amanda Waller. I wouldn't consider him a hero per se, but he has heroic qualities, just like Amanda's not a villain per se, but she definitely has some villainous qualities. Uh, Lion Cat, on the other hand, his companion, straight up just neutral. All it does is tell somebody whether it's lying or not. And it will attack your face if you're threatening its owner and it will fuck you all up. So I, uh, I, I, I love saga. I, I love the will. I love lying cat. I, there's a shirt. I saw at a game store in San Francisco. It just has lying cat on there saying lying on it. I got to get that one of these days. So that's my number 10. Excellent. Wonderful choice, sir. My number 10 comes yeah part of this is gonna be interesting because you can see what kind of when i stopped reading comics uh and that is uh alan quartermain from the league of extraordinary gentlemen uh ignore the movie friends don't don't go see or if you've watched the movie i'm sorry read the books alan quartermain is one of the great fictional characters that are brought together to combat all kinds of supernatural foes in a steampunk uh, Europe, England in like the 1800s. And he's the, he's the de facto leader of, of the group. And he's just, he's the, he's the regular dude. He's kind of like the captain America of the group, except he's really good with guns. Uh, and, and it's just kind of, he's the center. He's the one that other, other people follow. He's the, he's the aged experienced guy who keeps everybody under control, especially when you're trying to manage these classic horror characters from the era whether that be the Invisible Man, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, you know Mina Harker, all of those, all of those characters. So Alan Quartermain was my number ten. My number nine. I mean, I'll be shocked if he isn't higher on anybody's list. Is Hellboy from Hellboy higher on other lists? That means we go back to Dave for your number nine, sir. So my number nine. Uh, they made a movie about it very recently with Vin Diesel, but I actually like the comic much better. It's Bloodshot. And, and I, you know, I don't <laughs> raise laughing. I'm not sure. I'm laughing because Bloodshot was my number nine until yesterday afternoon. And you moved it, huh? I got, I got him he's, higher. He's off my list. You got blood. I got him higher. I got him higher if you want to wait, but I'm not, I'm just going to ask no, no, you guys let's, about it. Let's cause... wait. We'll okay. wait. We'll talk Bloodshot right. later. So that's cool. All right. Sorry. Not sorry. Reese's. <laughs> Drink. So I had Bloodshot. I had Bloodshot on my list. Um, or as I call him to Dave, the, the real $6 billion man. Uh, but I replaced him for someone that Patrick 
convinced me unknowingly to add to my list, and that's Rorschach. Higher on mine. So excellent choice because he's higher on mine. So it's well, well, that, that's what made me think about him. I wasn't even thinking so about him. I saw your list. My number nine, I know, is higher on someone else's list and maybe likely everyone else's list. So I will pass that and I will bring it back around with my number eight. And it's something and doing research that kind of appealed to me. And I don't know what you guys know about Tech Jacket, but it's something I would like to get into. Um, it's also from Robert Kirkman. Uh, and it's basically a hybrid of a teenager who gets this tech suit from an alien. And I would say you could you could say it's kind of between Cyborg and Iron Man kind of thing, right? Where he's still human, but he's kind of, you know, fused with the, maybe a little more Cyborg. He's fused with the tech jacket. So just something, I mean, obviously Kirkman's got credibility with a lot of the things that he'd done. So just something that interested me. I don't know if you guys have heard about that ever before or not. No, but Robert Kirkman is usually an easy sell for me um, in terms of, you know, one of the best authors out there for comics so yeah i i can't i can't find fault there there you go go i see nods all around so ray to your number eight my number eight is a man that all of us grew up with you guys more so than me but i grew up with him as well he is known in many names he's known by in many realms as prince adam of eternia but uh he's known (laughs) to most as he-man okay so, um, true story. Uh, I, I have the power. Oh, sorry. Don't beautiful. True story. Um, so when I was little, one of the big things for me was I had this huge toy box full of all different types of toys you could have. Um, X-Men, Power Rangers, Turtles, everything. And I used to wrestle with them and like we would make rings and I'd have wrestle and I would have like my own wrestling fed with them. But the very first toys I ever had were passed down from my cousin. And they were the He-Man toys. All of the Masters of the Universe, Skeletor, uh, Man at War, um, Fisto, all these people. And I didn't know who the hell they were. I just thought I, they, were just, they looked cool. And then I actually went and looked, up, looked into He-Man and saw who he was and saw the importance of who he was in the 80s and early 90s, kind of early 80s to mid 80s, kind of that time period. And man, like, He-Man is probably one of the biggest, like, toy selling superheroes ever i don't remember the tv show very much but i watched it i don't i never read the comic but i know they exist um i think most people know skeletor for nothing else than memes um but like when it comes to prototypical swole ass tank superheroes he man gotta be on the top one of the tops of that list right so the 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 physique the the sword the badass, I don't remember the name of his tiger that's green, but like my man had Battle Cat, dude. everything. Battle Cat, thank you. Who yeah. in his not Battle Cat form was known as Cringer. It's Man at Arms, not Man at War. Oh, um, yes, Man at Arms. Dude, You're I, right. bad. Fucking, that was my childhood. He Man was like, I had Castle Grayskull, I had the figures, I had Snake Mountain, which had a little hand puppet snake that you could make come out and like eat people. Came with slime because there was a slime pit you could pour on the baggers. And here's the interesting thing is that every figure in the first run set of action figures came with a comic book as part oh, of it. They told dope. their story inside, inside, the, inside the packaging with the He Man characters. I had so many of those i love those and i've talked about this show 
Uh, it's a Netflix show. I've talked about this a couple of times. There's an episode of the toys that made us that's about the history of He-Man and the masters of the universe. And it's spinoff She-Ra, um, which has had its own animated show. And we have a new animated limited series run coming soon of He-Man that's being directed by Kevin Smith that I'm very excited. The first images of that came out not too long ago. So if you really want to delve into the history of that, check out that, um, Check out that episode of The Toys That Made Us. It's a really, I find all of those episodes fascinating. Like, I love those little mini documentaries, but He Man was very much like that was my jam. Loved He Man. Nice call, Ray. Give yourself a pat on the back. Barry Horowitz yourself, baby. I had, I had a lot of. I had a lot of these as well, Patrick. It was highly entertaining. I should have had this on my list considering I had more time with this. But yeah, it was it was fucking great toys to play with when you were Oracle's younger. Oracle's little wizard was like a little like car with yep. a little pull thing. And you would yep. pull a little string and he would spin around in circles. Yes, I had that. Who was the blue See, dude with the with the bazooka arm? Trap jaw. I'm, I had all that. I had every toy. Trap jaw. There was, no there was Danny faces that had three different faces that you could change around. There was Beast Man. There was Moss Man who was fuzzy. They flocked it. Yeah. Um, the country was, looking uh, dude. Which one? Country, the, wasn't there like a wasn't there like a country guy with like a? Yeah, there's I, yeah, I had both of those. Yep. Yeah, I had them all. I don't know who they are, but I had them all, and I, I, they were dope. Right. All right. We could talk about He-Man all day, but let's get to let's get to Dave and his number eight. I'm guessing my number eight's higher on your list, Patrick, because it's Rorschach. Yes, higher on my list. Your number eight. Um, my number eight is Judge Dredd from the comic Judge Dredd. I don't know if you guys have noticed the pattern yet, but I like me some Judge Dredd. I like me the dystopian future where law has completely broken down and the, you have these judges that get to act as judge, jury, and executioner of the law in Mega City. And again, I love the journey of Judge Dredd because a lot of times these characters are challenged with just sort of the ambiguity of right and wrong. Now, in terms of a movie representation, the Carl Urban version is the, the superior movie representation of Judge Dredd and probably deserved its series. He loved doing that role. But it's always like the character always starts out the same way, and it's very similar in the comics where he's very much about his role as a judge. And as he encounters the world around him, it forces him to reexamine whether this system is the right system and what he needs to do. And so that was my number eight. Good call. My my number seven is the first of two characters from the same book, and that is Michonne from The Walking Dead. Uh, Michonne, just simply stated, is the baddest badass of the characters that you encounter in The Walking Dead comic book. I mean, a, a woman on her own. You, the character is introduced. She is walking about just like she is in the tv show with two zombies basically attached to chains leading the way like baddest of the bad ass wheeling a katana they have no jaws so they can't bite her it's it's just she's just she's badass she has found a way to survive even though she was like this soft lawyer before the world went to shit she rose above it and she 
is she is just a tough nut to crack very early. She is a wildly popular character in the series. And there's a reason that she just, she, she lasts as long as she does in the comic book series. Cause people die in a hurry in the walking dead a lot. And Michonne is not one of those characters. She's a fascinating character in the comics and in the TV show, because Right. In the con, like, yeah, I mean, it gives it gives me hope as a lawyer that maybe I could survive the zombie. I doubt it, but you know, maybe I could. No, Dave, I mean, have you looked in the mirror, man? Yeah, I know. I I, I, don't, I, I need a katana or something. But uh, hey, Eugene, bro, just just fake it to you. That's it, right. There you go. I could be. Right. I, I'm more Eugene than Michonne. That's for damn sure. But she kind of comes full circle at the end of the uh, at the end of the run where she comes back to the Commonwealth and and rediscovers you know her daughter she gets reunited with her daughter she becomes a lawyer and then she at the very end of everything i think she's like in charge to a great extent of the commonwealth and um i i think she i forget who she lets off of i don't know if it was carl or somebody like that yeah it was carl that she let off of a crime and and then right before rick gets killed but uh yeah she's a fascinating character and, and i know she's still in the in the tv show at least for now i think i don't know if her run ended yeah. she's done well she's she's, done. she's done but she's gonna allegedly show up in those tv movies that they're making with rick, the rick grimes movies yeah it's like the search for Spock. she but... didn't die she just left right she went looking for rick and found right. the frontiersmen i think is what they were called right whatever they are so yeah, I love the call, Pat, because she's she's an excellent character, uh, it, it, very layered, very complex. Um, you know, her and Rick never get together in the comics like they do in the TV show, but that's fine. You know, it's right. it's all good. I mean, you know, because Andrea, of course, no one was going to replace her in the comics, and she no. was a bit character in the, in the TV show. But it's one of the many places where the show deviated from what was in Deviate. the books. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my what I was going to say. The one of the few disappointments I have of early Walking Dead, the series and the TV series, is kind of how they played with the Andrea Andrea Michonne kind of relationship. And if we would have gotten to see the relationship, the kind of not the relationship, but the dynamic between Michonne and the governor that's in the comics on TV, boy, we'd have been in for some TV. Yeah. Yes, we would have. All right, Dave, back to you for your number seven. Sir. So my number seven, because I had Ming the Merciless on my villains list, I've got Flash Gordon at number seven. For Oh, the, my gosh. We already brought up Flash Gordon today because it's Ray's new favorite movie. It is. But this is the comic. <gasps> this is the comic version of Flash Gordon. Is there any way you could explain a little bit more about the guy who did the thing? I got you, Dave. Yeah. So, tell me about it. Oh, no, I was asking. Oh, I know. I was asking Dave to explain more. Oh, okay. so yeah. Okay. Flash Gordon is this, is this guy who ends up in this kind of ship and in, in this sort of galaxy. And he takes on this other guy who's just kind of an asshole. So yeah, that's sort of thing. No, but I, I mean, Flash Gordon is, is, you know, you're talking OG superheroes and OG heroes and, and that sort of thing. And I mean, his, he's one of the first, you know, he's right up there with Superman. I think it actually came before Superman did. He's probably not regarded as a superhero per se because he doesn't have superpowers, but he is a hero and he leads a group of many people to revolt against this onerous dictator, this asshole who's got a, who's oppressed galaxies and civilizations and everything like that. To me, that's a hero. When you lead a revolt to get out from under the thumb of a, a an absolute megalomaniacal dictator and you take him down that's a hero in my book so i 
I I had to give some love to Flash Gordon. I mean, yeah, the movie's fantastic. Ray will see it one of these days, and then he'll actually speak of people by name. You know, we're going to show up. Ray's going to have Sam Jones on his on his T-shirt. It's going to be fucking epic. I'm going to love it. <laughs> but uh, I, I had to give some love for Flash Gordon, the original hero. Maybe not superhero, but the original hero. Um, Flash Gordon, number seven for me. Ah, uh, go He'll Ray. save every one of us. Go ahead, Ray. Ray doesn't even know what yeah, that nope. is, Pat. No okay. more posing. This isn't the Total Package Podcast. Oh, my bad. The Total Package. Seduction um, by Ray that, Dollars. That, that, that. <laughs> <laughs> so my number seven is the first of uh, selections of which I take I took liberties with. Much like on the Villain Project, comics are also known as manga in Japan. And I picked Sailor Moon for my number seven. Now, I thought for sure it was going to be Goku, but go ahead, Ray. Goku number six. No, we, don't, <laughs> we don't need to know about your private stash, Ray. Um, well, so I'm okay. So I'm glad you brought so, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, you trust me. Okay, I'm trustworthy. Being real, let's be legitimate first. What she did for female empowerment for little girls and being one of, outside of Wonder Woman, one of the few visual women with powers on tv not just in japan but all over because sailor moon was crazy here for a while too needs to be noted but on on the other side she's probably a big part of the reason why so many people have the schoolgirl fetish now that's neither here nor there but it is what it is or the little sailor fetish yeah but she her the level of importance she is to manga to anime to comics in general She's one of the five most influential women ever created in a comic setting. So, you know, and thirteen billion dollars worth of sales don't hurt, bro. No, so, my, no you raise a great point. She's, my she's daughter, dead. my daughter has tons of Sailor Moon stuff. Still, she's nineteen now. She's got tons of Taylor Sailor Moon stuff from when she was much younger. She was hugely influential. I've never watched or read any of it, but I've seen enough from her to know just how big a deal she is. So, yeah, good call, Ray. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Back to me for seven. All right, Dave, tell me about Bloodshot. Tell me more about what I should be looking for with Bloodshot. I don't know, man. Watch the movie. All right. <laughs> oh, no. Dude. no. He's I, a really cool character. He is. He is. And Ray's right. He is kind of the $6 billion man. You know, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like, is, I don't know, Ray, you tell me if I'm wrong. It's like Universal Soldier meets the $6 million man, and here's what we got. So, so basically... He died. He was like one of the baddest soldiers we had in America, and he died. And they were perfecting this ideology or this this technology where they can put nanobites inside of a human and kind of regenerate tissue or whatever. But they wanted to regenerate a human. So they brought him back from the dead, and he's the first person it worked with. And so uh, he became a superhero because with nanobites, he was essentially a walking computer. He regenerated completely. He could never die. And at first he was their puppet until he broke away and then became his own man, his own superhero, because he was already one of the baddest dudes on the planet as a soldier in general. So, yeah, Universal Soldier, a little bit of Cyborg in there, definitely some Steve Austin, a mix of all that with the badassery enough that Vin Diesel says family five times in the movie. (laughs) Wow. Oh, there you the, go, Tony. There you go. Vin Diesel. Wait, wait. Vin Diesel plays him in the movie. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, is there like an animated thing I can watch instead? Yeah. Animated version of Bloodshot. Movie, movie's right. not yeah. bad. Movie's not bad. Vin Diesel does that, really good for me. What what comments was that, Dave? Was that was that Vertigo? Yeah. I think Bloodshot's Vertigo. They want to do a lot of Vertigo movies. They're trying to build a little mini Vertigo cinematic universe, if you will. So maybe they will go uh, animated soon. Yeah, he was the first part of it. and, and But I don't know where they stand now because of the pandemic. Gotcha. Yeah, good point. All right. My number six, I'm bringing it back here. Uh, my number six is something that ca- really caught my eye. Like out of the, I think the, the next, the top five, I have a little bit of experience with, but this one, I don't have any. And Patrick, you brought up Judge Dredd and I've seen, it was suggested that martial law could be a character for a Dredd sequel. Um, he's had experience with uh, uh, Pinhead before. You know, yep. in the comics and things of that nature. I know there's a couple other ones I've seen as well. So he's crossed over, but it's basically someone that despises superheroes that's been given some superpowers that is a government sanctioned, you know, anti superhero agent, uh, super crusty, but gigantic moral compass. Patrick, you, you seem like you know who it's, exactly I'm talking it's about. Very com- it's very comparable to like a Billy Butcher. Right. Uh, and, and just, just funny that, because he played Judge Dredd and Dredd, <laughs> right? It's all full circle now, but yeah, uh, very much, uh, yeah, a, a powered person who despises powered people. Um, it is it's kind of a fascinating little dichotomy, dichotomy to look at in terms of a character, um, and absolutely could be a spinoff. Uh, from Judge Dredd, I think you would have to create that universe first, and then and then have him from there. He's like he's like the 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 anti Deadpool, you know, I, Bizarro right. Deadpool, right? You know, begrudgingly, I'm a superhero, I suppose, but I'm going to use that to yeah. stop superheroes. <laughs> like if I have to, I'm going to use my powers to stop other people with powers. Well, as, but the other thing that that like maybe want to see this movie they talked about possibly having is they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you a little bit more realistic and like bloody and gory kind of thing too. Like, right. They, they're like, legally you probably won't get pinhead as the villain, but like that would be an ultimate battle out, you know, for an end sequence mm-hmm. to a movie or something. Oh, totally. Yeah. It'd be absolutely. It'd be, it would be, it would be a spectacle. Like, like I, I think that would be the best way to describe it. It would be, it would be something special to watch. Um, but yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that pick at all, Tony. I think that's a that's a solid pick, Mr. Cash. You said you already they, said six was. Yeah, it's Goku. Um, and so here's my here's I'll, my question to you. Yes, sir. Does the manga work the same way as the damn TV show, where it's like seven thousand pages of we're getting ready for this big fight before like a fight happens? No, but there is a lot of manga, but it's 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 very episodic. But but yes, it, it's not like each each manga is like a, a five thousand pages. But they do have <laughs> seventy seventy pages of him turning into a Super Saiyan. <laughs> no, um, but as far as manga goes, the biggest superhero manga of all time is undoubtedly Dragon Ball, and the guy about Dragon Ball is Goku. So. You know, and importance. And for the record, you guys may age out by just a hair. My God, '90s babies were crazy about Dragon Ball. Oh, I re- I remember when that thing was a big deal. Um, yeah. I remember that like, it was one of the first shows to get heavy run on the Cartoon Network as part of Toonami. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, we age out by a lot more than a hair because right. I'm only one in the 80s, and that was in the first two years of the 80s. Those guys are 70s, so <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, though. So, I, I, you so, know, yeah, I, we can go in in depth, but we know what it is. Fair enough. I, and no, no, nothing wrong with manga. Manga counts. I, I seriously thought about a couple of other characters uh, from manga as well. So you weren't alone, Mister Ungar. Well, my this is what number six, right? Your number six drink. So yeah, <laughs> my number. I'm out of my drink. I can't drink, but I'll pretend to drink. My number six is the hero of one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, and it's Scott Pilgrim. So I, I mean. Okay. <laughs> I love. I mean, Scott Pilgrim's probably the purest it's of the heroes. <laughs> it's the movie, Pat. But uh, as far as the comic he's, book, he's whiny in the comic too. He man. is. Come on, he is. But he's probably like the most pure of the superheroes, the heroes we're talking about on this list, where he just does things all for the sake of love, all to win the girl and fight her seven evil exes and, and do all that sort of stuff. So a lot of what's in the movie is absolutely in in the comics, but I think Scott in the comics is cooler than Michael Sarah's portrayal of him, which is pretty good anyway, but I, I love Michael Sarah's not exactly cool. No, he's not. He's not, but uh, Scott Pilgrim is. And, and I love the, uh, the book, uh, the black and white collection, which is like a thousand pages or something like that. It's, it's a fantastic story. There's much more in the book than there is in the movie. Cause you know, who wanted a three and a half hour Scott Pilgrim movie, except me. Do we have a director's cut of that somewhere? Anyway, Scott no, Pilgrim. Zack Snyder didn't make it. Ah, shit. Anyway, Scott Pilgrim's my number six. I suppose. Remember, I suppose. it's my list. It using, is your list. Using your argument against you here. My list. That's fine. That's fine. My number six um, comes from a comic I talked about during the Villain Project. I do believe. I know I talked about it during the Villain Project. It's a comic that's being turned into a show soon. I think it's on Hulu which makes me sad, but is why the last man is the comic and it's agent three fifty five from why the last man. So you have Yorick who is the main character, uh, as the last man to survive a plague that killed all men. And he is basically on the run trying to get to quote unquote, the right scientist uh, in order to, find out why he and his pet monkey are the only two to have survived this plague. And agent 355 is basically sent to protect him. And she, her, her relationship with York is quite complicated, but the, the sacrifice that she makes to keep this guy alive um, and surviving various bands of people who both want Yorick um, or want to kill Yorick uh, has is just um, is fascinating. She's the center, so it's um, it's a really it's a really great comic. I, I've talked about this on and off and on at, at different points, but um, she's really like if you look at somebody who's heroic, like she's the badass who kind of keeps him alive, keeps him afloat, and eventually connects with him, falls for him, even though she wants to deny it. Um, and I, I, it's a series that I've not finished because I can't get all of the omnibuses to, to read through the entire thing. So I don't actually know how the series ends, but uh, she is a big part of it all the way through to the end of the, the series. And so Agent 355, 355 was my number six. 
So, all right, we are going, that is our, that is our 10 through six. We are going to take a quick pause here for a second commercial break. Uh, And when we come back, we will run down our top five. So you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. Sponsored by The Outsider's Edge, the Total Package Series. Ten metrics, five weeks, one series. Join me, Ray Cash. Carl Irvin, as we break down the total package only on the chairshot.com. How many episodes we got left, right? We have one more. One more. Um, oh, no, Yeah. How you feeling? Feeling good? Excited? Excited to wrap it up? It's already in the can. I isn't think it? the fifth episode is, yes, sir. I think the fifth episode is the best. All and right. That's hard to say, seeing as we didn't have a lot to work with, but I think it's the best. I miss Barry White, Ray Cash. I'm just saying, man. I really do. Nice, oh, well nice. For my number five. There you go. Everybody, make sure that you check out the Total Package podcast and its final episode dropping this week on the Chair Shot Radio Network. We're going to go back into our top 10 independent comic heroes of all time with my number five. My number five was almost an entire group, but I ended up just picking one, and that is Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it is higher on other people's list. Is Raphael specifically, or is it like the whole group? So Ray is not specifically. Okay. I also have someone from that uh, genre, but not Raphael. Yeah, I didn't separate the group. We'll talk about that. All right, so Dave, your number five then. My number five is Savage Dragon, another one of my favorite image comics. I I absolutely love Savage Dragon. He's a complex character. He's never sure for a long, long, long time what has happened to him or how he ends up as this uh, superhero. But he's, I mean, he's just very different. And he's he's got all this power and he's just kind of like, reluctantly becomes a police officer and then reluctantly has all these people revolving around him and following him into all this sorts of shit. He gets hooked up with some very interesting females. That's uh, it's a fun story. He's a great character. He he's very layered. I he's, he's, he's unique in many, many ways. It's not just his look. It's not just his powers. It's the entire story. So yeah, I love Savage dragon. I had to have him on the list. He's number five for me. Crossed over with martial law as well. Did he? Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. There you go. Mr. Cash, your number five. The patriarch of Alexandria and the probably the probably the baddest zombie killer in the land. Number five is Rick Grimes. Higher. Ain't no mountain high. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. Uncle Rico throw football over that mountain. My number five is Hellboy which was on, I believe, Patrick's list, or it's higher on Ray's list as well. It's number, it's number four, so if you want to talk about it, you can. Well, is it not, Dave, is it higher on your list? He did not make my list. Okay. All right, get, on, get uh, the fuck on the podcast. I'm not a Hellboy fan. How do you not I have like, Hellboy on your 
I like okay, Rasputin. I like the villains much more than the actual hero because I think what a Rasputin, Grigori, Rasputin made my, made all of our lists. But Hellboy, I'm just like, eh, I'm lukewarm on him. I I like the movies with David Arbor and uh, Mila Jovovich. I think Ian McShane was in it as well. So that's what drew me to that. I love David Arbor on SNL. So I'm I'm a fan of him doing Hellboy and makes me want to know more about the stories. Like this is what's great about this show is there's so much logged information and likes and different perspectives from all four of us that like you can pick up different stuff. Like I'm looking literally looking forward to having some more content to look into with all these different characters on here. So Hellboy is one of them definitely that I that I need to take a deeper dive. And for me, Hellboy is a lesser reflection of a character that is my number one. And and everybody who's listened to this show in the last few weeks knows what my number one is going to be. But um, in that it's this you know child creature from hell that has this destiny for hell that he is rebelling against as a character and, and, you know, and then all the obstacles that are in his way and facing him. It's just, it's a fun, complicated character to tell. And yes, Dave, I'm just playing along a little bit. A little surprise. That's all. Just a little surprise. Building suspense. Not really, but that there's no hell, that there's no Hellboy on your list. That was, that, that was a little surprising to me. So that was because, because me. your number one is, character. Because of the your number one is is to me the real the real deal. So Hellboy is a is a cheap impersonation of him in a lot of ways. I would go that far. I would go because it's a different sort of thing. Like, and well, I, without going into too much, like Hellboy, like actively like does a lot of things to rebel against his nature. Like, and he's raised differently. Like he's he's brought you know he's brought up in a world where. Um, you know, man is trying to, to control him to, to be used for good. And he embraces that. Um, whereas my number one, it's a little bit, I just think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. So it is. And to be honest, I've read imitation. That's, that's that's what I would say. Well, I've read a lot more spawn than Hellboy, So that's really coloring my opinion on this issue. There you go. Ray, any, any thoughts from you before you go into your number four? Wasn't there two Hellboys? I know David Arbor played them, but but what's to do with the? Oh yeah, Ron what, Perlman the played him in Ron in Perlman. Two. Yeah, he played him in Hellboy and then Hellboy: The Golden Army. I I mean, it's it's first and foremost the character has one of the most indistinct, one of the most indistinctive looks in any period. You know, number one. Right. Number two, the fact that it's all it's always cool to me, just like with Spawn, who's I think on all of our lists, to see. Kind of the person who's supposed to be evil, rebel and become good and try to do right. So yeah, it's a dope character. I don't know much about him. I've never read the ca- the comics. I've seen the movies. Um, but yeah, I for a list like this, I just feel like, like he deserves to be on the list. Just if nothing else, for how popular the character is. Honestly, he's my number eleven. So there you go, Pat. He was right there. I think we're actually aren't we at Tony's number four? Kay. Pat messed yes. up the order, so you got to drink. No, no, you got to drink. He didn't mess it up. Ray just needed to comment on my number five because we went back from right. his four. So my four is someone I, I have no experience with, but just reading about and, and, and seeing it. And I don't know. What do you guys think about the alternate possible perspective of Superman in Supreme? You know, I've never read Supreme. 
Yeah, me neither. It's supposedly a more optimistic look at Superman. It's very uh, artistic takeoff on it. And I- I'm like, okay, let's see what that looks like. So something I'm looking forward to look into. I mean, a lot of the things I went and read, I kind of looked into the past and also seen like some great ideas for movies because this is something that people, you talk about Superman and you talk about movies. Here's another look, right? I mean, you talk about, we talked about the boys um, and um, I've watched every episode like twice. Why don't I, and hi, and um, Homelander, Homelander, Jesus Christ. I'm going to say Highlander. There can only be one, but yeah, I, I would like to see. And there should only be one world championship, by the way, in WWE. So I, I'm just going to stop. I'll go on that rant. <laughs> okay. Ray, stop. My bad. I was just like, okay, we're going to go hit it there. I did just, yeah, the, I wrote an article a long time ago. It was about the world championships in WWE, and I titled it, There Can Only Be One. Sorry, we're back. Ray, we're back. What's, it was what's, a, your, what's your number yeah. four? Ray Good Cash. job, Patrick. <laughs> it was it was Hellboy, Dave. What's your number four? Yeah. You drink my number Patrick. four is Hellboy. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick drink twice. Um, my number four is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, as a group. So I know you guys have those higher, or at least Raphael's higher. So we can just kind of table the conversation till then. So that brings it to my number four, which I still haven't. I don't know that everybody said him yet, but my number four is my second pick from The Walking Dead, and that's Rick Grimes uh, from The Walking Dead, higher He's- on Dave's list. So we'll move into my number three, which is Bigby Wolf from the comic book Fables. Um, and Dave, what was that look? Like a little surprise? No, kind of like He's... I forgot about him. That kind of look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we we talked about this a couple of times because there's we we were talking about this hope against hope, right? Of um, Fables someday getting made into a television show and then once upon a time kind of screwing that all up. But, you know, the con, the story of fables is, you know, these fictional characters from fairy tales living amongst us in New York city, um, in its own little sort of community. And the big bad wolf, big B wolf, I think he's married to snow white. If I remember correctly, um, or something like that, or eventually like that's the relationship that comes from, but he's like a detective, who is the the one trying to figure out who's behind murdering all the who's the who who um, who is revealed to be Geppetto um, by the time it's all said and done in Fables? But he's the guy who's primarily investigating who's murdering all of these fairy tale characters and why. And um, he just he carries a lot of burden. He's got a very Wolverine esque sort of look and feel about him. He's rough, you know. He's supposed to be rough around the edges. He's supposed to have a tough exterior, uh, but with a heart of gold. And uh, yeah, he's the to me he's the most compelling character out of the Fables comics, short of Geppetto. Yeah, I wish I'd thought of him, but he's uh, that's a good call. Excellent call. I mean, and, and yeah. how could you think of him? He left Hellboy off the list, so it, you know it stands to. Oh. You know how much shit you would have taken last week if you didn't have Black Panther on your list? I heard the shit on the show, and it was light. It's I understand. True. It's, it's true. <laughs> Hashtag where's Chadwick? Um, my number three is uh, Invincible. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, Tony's got Invincible higher. There you go. So, Ray, for your number three. Spawn. I know that's, we know that. We know he's number one on somebody's list. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
Turtles genre higher, Ray? Number two. Okay. Then I'll bring it back with my number two, and we're in the top twos now. And mine is Usagi Yojimbo, which is a, you know, a Japanese samurai rabbit. And it's based in like, like 17th, 18th century Japan. And it's like the artistry is a little bit different, but it's the storytelling. Yeah. The the story's great though. And the character's even been in a crossover with some of the Ninja Turtles stuff on TV. So it's, it's pretty cool. You know, you, you, you got the turtles, you got the rabbit, turtle and rabbit, you know, uh, very interesting concept. Something I'm not totally versed on. I do remember it, but um, that's like on the top of my list, honestly, to to check out. Honestly, this week is that character because all I hear are good things and interesting things about it. I don't know you guys' uh, experiences in the past. Yeah, he's a he's a great character. He was wildly like he was like a big cult like you were talking about that crossover with the ninja turtles he was like the cult favorite ninja turtle-esque story and character to follow and yes it's steeped in samurai lore but it's a it's a rabbit and as you pointed out not just a rabbit he's a cartoony like it's just a very cartoonily drawn character and so it kind of it kind of sets you on your heels a little bit when you then get into the story because it's you know it, it takes itself seriously, so yeah, good. I I have a good choice and 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 a very natural fit for crossovers with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> definitely turtle and hair, baby. Which speaking cool. of turtles, I think Ray, Raph- are we Raphael, baby. You picked Raphael. Dave went with all four, and you said you had a different turtle, Tony. Right? I, no, I don't oh, even no? have a turtle. Oh, Splinter is my number three. Oh, look at you. There are, no, there are no turtles roaming the streets of Gotham protecting people without Splinter because they won't nice. know what the fuck they're doing. I love that you went with the Batman crossover. You're welcome. That's that's a great point. Um, and Splinter deserves some love. He doesn't get enough. He doesn't fight crime enough. But you're right. There is no turtles without Splinter, in more in many ways. But uh, I mean, we all know how big the turtles are. We all know what the turtles meant to so many childhoods for five decades. But I picked Raphael for a particular reason. Most people, the way the list is kind of laid out, Leo is the leader. Donnie is the smart one. Michelangelo is the cool one slash the kid teenager. Raphael is like a, a bad guy. He's a funny guy, right? And Raphael is kind of like pizza funny. Good job. Yeah, yeah. And I got slices. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and Raphael is kind of like the loner, badass, brooding kind of dude. The reason I picked Raphael over Leonardo, and he's not the leader, is because one, Raphael in lore is the oldest. Two, Raphael of all four of them has the most interesting character arc out of all of them. Raphael is always fighting his own personal demons. Raphael is always having to overcome his own personal issues. Raphael is always one argument away from leaving the damn group and doing his own thing. It has in some some instances. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to strictly hands, ain't nobody got them hands like that boy Raphael, bro. Raphael's come with them hands. 
isn't the the root of Raphael's discontent the fact that he wants to live in the real world with the rest of the people and he just can't and the rest of the turtles are kind of content with where they are and what they're doing and he's the one that's like man I don't want to I want to be out and everything else like isn't that his main discontent that may be some of it but the biggest discontent with the group is that he thinks he should be the leader and uh because naturally he's the oldest and Splinter picked picked Leonardo so yeah, there's yeah, it's and that's the thing is is Raphael is, is always he's the, he's the hothead of the group. He's he's got a bit of a temper about him. He does feel like he should be leading the team, uh, and it's more pronounced in the comics. Like you know, I think the cartoon is what a lot of people think of, and in the cartoon, he's basically like supposed to be he's, he's treated like an edgier Michelangelo really when you look at the two of them mm-hmm. like he's kind of got a smart mouth but there's real sibling rivalry between him and leonardo and leonardo wanting Raphael to be on board and actually the best film representation of the relationship from the comic book is the first movie is the original movie where Raphael, you know he 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 does feel like he does feel like he has a course of action that's better than what leonardo wants him to do and takes risks and sets out on his own and and makes mistakes and pays for it um and his relationship with leo has a lot of ups and downs and is really a strong focal point of the comic so yeah that's why that's why i i picked Raphael because i kind of like what ray said he's the most interesting in my opinion of the of the of the four of them like he, he he's the most compelling character to sort of follow dave you had the whole group why don't you chime in? Yeah, I, I had the whole group just because they to me, it's like uh, I don't know if they. I mean, collectively, they, I look at the turtles as, as one of those groups that you you can't really differentiate and separate so much. I mean, I know they've got all their individual personalities, but they don't work. You remove one element of that, and they don't really work as well. So I, I didn't want to distinguish between all of them, and I just looked at them as a group and said, yeah, these guys are probably the most iconic characters the most iconic heroes in all of independent comics they're not my favorites which is why i didn't have them number one but i recognize look you they are a phenomenon you this is a story that shouldn't work by all accounts this is something that should not work it should not be as successful turtles who turn into ninjas and are superheroes that sounds ludicrous when you say it and just read it on paper but it works because of the personalities of guys of uh you know like Splinter, like the the turtles, like the villains that they got, like Shredder and those sort of things, it all works together and it creates a a fun, engrossing story that's probably a little underrated. Actually, I say it shouldn't by all rights and measures it shouldn't work, but it does, and it's probably not respected enough by hardcore nerds such as ourselves. Uh, but it's it's a great story. I just I just look at him and, and you know, like next week when we talk Marvel, there's at least one group that I don't think I can separate. You know, that sort of thing. And the turtles are kind of the same way. I, I look at him and say, yeah, you remove one part and it doesn't, and it kind of the foundation falls apart. So that's why I had him as a group. Excellent. All right. So that was Ray number two. It's Dave's number two. Dave, you're number two, sir. Well, we're going to skip right by mine because it's Spawn. And we're going to go right into All your right. number two. My number two is Rorschach from Watchmen. So. In the Watchmen comic book, Rorschach's the one who knows who's right. Like, he's just, he's right. 
um, whether you agree with his methods and his tactics and his unwillingness to compromise, which is ultimately his downfall, he he's right. And he's the one who, at the end of the comic, blows the lid or hopes to blow the lid off the whole thing. But in the ultimate irony, it gets thrown away in a junk pile um, of quack news stories before it's actually found and reported. And is one of my favorite little twists of the whole thing. And um, I don't know. I, does it get any better than you guys think I'm in here with you? What you don't understand is that you're stuck in here with me. Like, like it's just, it's amazing. And that character is just brutality and un and unbending, unyielding, and is strengthened by his convictions. Yeah, right to the bitter end with him, right? I mean, right. he he never yields. He never compromises his beliefs or his values, which don't always line up with what we think is right or wrong. But in his mind, th- there is no gray area. There's black and white. And he just sticks to that until Dr. Manhattan wipes him out at the end of the whole thing. Yeah, you mentioned the whole thing. You guys think, you know, I'm locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. The other line I really get, really love from the movie is it was dark when the killer got home, as dark as it gets. I mean, that is one of my favorite lines that he does. I thought you had Jackie Earl Haley on your list last week. Fantastic pick. Uh, The Rorschach character is just, you know, he's another one of these guys you look at and say he doesn't bounce off the pages or the screen and scream hero at you, but he does a lot of heroic stuff. And he's just like that one character who holds everything together. He never gives up, never yields, even at even at his you know the expense of his own life. So it's a great call. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's heroes all over the place in Watchmen. You can't Doctor Manhattan doesn't you know it's like okay that's ridiculous. But Rorschach is the one who's relatable on a lot of levels. And is it weird that I almost picked Night Owl? No, because I thought about it too. No, Night, Night Owl's the only Night Owl's the only one of those of those who actually is one hundred percent good. He doesn't break right. the rules. He doesn't do bad things. Does everything by the book. His only issue is that he he kind of loses confidence. Right. Which is why he's got some impotence problems for a while. But anyway. Ooh, yeah, there you go. He needs a total package, Ray. That's what he needs, baby. Uh, <laughs> hey, okay. for the record, Rorschach was such a good pick. It made me take a guy off my list. I love okay. sleuthy uh, detective superheroes i have an unfathomable amount of love for the question for that very reason i love those kind of characters who may not be able to beat you with their hands may not have any powers but they're going to figure out what the fuck happened it's probably right. why batman's my favorite superhero and for that and for the fact that he got the dopest mask ever like wwe <laughs> get that mask on a luchador bro yeah there's not gonna right. be much surprise when we get to the dc list who's gonna be my, my number one or ray's number one so <laughs> no suspense there so, so my number one as everybody has i mean i i've already laid it out there for me it's spawn and i have i have the first 100 issues of spawn uh in my in my basement boxed and boarded they uh they survived the great water heater collapse of 2010 um uh, and I was thankful for that because of of all the independent comics that, that I ever 
read Spawn and Todd McFarlane's character was my favorite. Al Simmons, a man who is betrayed by someone he trusts, his boss, Jason Wynn, uh, and in death is given the opportunity to come back by the, you know, by Malvolgia, the devil himself, and promises Al the opportunity to see his wife, Wanda, again, uh, if Al agrees to to lead Malboja's armies against Earth in heaven. Al agrees, and of course, in it, when a deal with the devil is made, what he doesn't tell Al is that he will start as a hellspawn when he wakes up. And so he wakes up as this creature in an alley years after he's died. And Al is saddened to learn that his beloved Wanda and her daughter are living with his best friend are married to his best friend and that the life Al wanted is now being had by his best friend. And he is stuck as supposedly the general of Satan's armies. And he rebels against that. And in issue number 100, when he kills Malbolgia, it's one of the, one of my favorite splash pages of all time of spawn holding Malbolgia's head. Um, in, in victory it's just it's awesome and when the comic first starts you have a counter four numbers nine 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 and as spawn uses his powers that counter goes down to zero when if it goes down to zero he has burned himself out and is no more and so it's i I love I love the character. I love the book. I've talked about the animated series. I don't love the movie so much, though. John Leguizamo is entertaining as the Violator. Um, I wrote a paper about this comic in college for uh, a, a class on heroism. Uh, it's steeped in Dante's Inferno, uh, just the lore behind it and the legend, and can't say enough about what I consider the best work that Todd McFarlane ever did. The dogs. Yeah. They've been quiet the whole time, but I mean, up until this, now they're freaking out. No, you, you, you made a great point. I made a great point last week and they agreed. I think Platt made a great point last week and the dogs agreed with him. You made a great point this week. I mean, the dogs have great taste. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. That, so any other thoughts like on that. spawn or are you just going to let me dominate? That no, long I know it was well, no, stuff. you said, you yeah. said it all. I had it at nine. I'm very aware of Spawn, right? Like, right. That's probably the most. I don't know. It's one of the most famous independent comic characters, right, Dave? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. There's not a whole lot because Pat really summed up Spawn excellently. Yeah. There, Great that job. that adding anything is like, well, that just feels like overkill at this point. He's he's a tremendous character. He was number two. He was a real hard choice for me to put at number two because he's he's just so awesome and so iconic and the things that he does. And his his progression from Hell Spawn to where he ends up by episode one hundred, and then beyond that is uh, is is one of the funnest rides in all of comic history. So now, now Ray, you asked about a different character, or maybe it was uh, Tony, and asked about like multiple iterations. There are multiple iterations of Spawn that have taken place to other Hell Spawns and other books that have been written about them. Hal Simmons is the first one, uh, and. and like I said, in my opinion, is the best. Oh, so no, that was my yeah, number one. Absolutely. Dave, 
What's your number one? My number one is Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead, which I narrowly put above Spawn. Just <laughs> and 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 I mean, you talk about episode one hundreds. You know, you look at episode one hundred of Spawn. You look at episode one hundred of The Walking Dead with what happened there. Rick is is I mean, he as far as like a hero goes and what he accomplishes with zero superpowers in an absolutely apocalyptic nightmare landscape of a world is nothing short of remarkable. He keeps his son alive. He basically rebuilds civilization by the end of everything. It's Rick Grimes who Eddie dies for, you know, for instilling a lot of values back into people. The rogues gallery of, of, of people he goes against from the governor to Negan to alpha to the Commonwealth, I mean, to the whispers and everything in between everything he accomplishes, surviving the walkers, joining these communities together. I, I think when I look at, you know, my definition of a hero and a spawn is, is very complex because he's very layered in what he does and his motivations and where he's going. Rick's and don't get me wrong. Rick goes through a lot of progressions as the series goes along a lot of mature maturation. In a lot of places, a lot of places where he's really dabbling in some darker areas. But, you know, he accomplishes all this with missing a hand. And and, and he he is really the the focal point of the resurrection of civilization as we know it. By the time that series ends, I, I, I just I gave him the edge over Spawn just because I look at him and say, that's a hero to me, what he's accomplished. So I got Rick Grimes number one. My only qualm with Rick and I had him number five. So I, he's very deserving. Is that he is probably the strongest uh, example, and I know there's probably a syndrome for this that's named. I don't know what it is, but the strongest example I could ever remember of he's our hero because we follow his group. Because I remember when Negan explained why he killed. I'm talking about the TV show, but in comics too, why he killed, why he killed Glenn. You go back in Abraham, you go back and look at the, the way things happened and how Rick's group tried to get the preemptive strike. Rick really could be Rick, Rick really is the heel or the villain to other people. But we think he's the good guy because we followed him. And he's the, that's the, probably the strongest example that I can think of in comic lore. Nonetheless, we do follow him and the things he does are damn near superhuman. So well, it's all right for a good portion without a hand. Yeah. Like you're saying, Ray, it, it all, it's all dependent on your point of view. I mean, if they told the story from Negan's point of view, Rick would be Negan and Negan would be yep. Rick. So yep. it's very much dependent, you know, like Obi-Wan says, it all depends on your point of view. I have two small screen series that I've never, ever seen a minute of that. I'm just leaving. And I know they're gems because they've been watched and watched and watched. One's breaking bad. And the other one is The Walking Dead. So I am uh, I am totally aware of it and like unbaptized uh, into. So I just I always have that waiting in my back pocket. You know, you always have those series you watch. You wish you could watch over for the first time. Well, and you should be jealous because I still get to watch that one for the first time. I've pretty much literally watched everything else, though. So that's all I have left. Fair enough. I don't well, know. You'll be watching that forever. Favorite. Right. Well, you can watch till about season, I don't know, six, seven. It it kind of it kind of drags after point. The reason I put Rick so high 
on this list after running him down when we did TV show heroes. Rick's way less stupid in, in this one and doesn't make dumb decisions for the sake of, of dumb decisions. And, and so it's very much, um, it's very different. Like his stakes feel and his mistakes feel more impactful because you, it just, it's, it, it resonates more in in the sense of him trying so hard to keep his people alive and trying to keep his community going and not in a dumb sort of way. Like Rick just makes dumb decisions in the show sometimes that is maddening, especially as we got later and later in the series. But like so, you said before, it, they make dumb decisions because it furthers the storytelling. Yeah, yeah, keep the show going. Um, but good choice for, for a number one. He was in my top five. So uh, Ray, I think we're to you and your number one, sir. I've been waiting on this all week. Oh God. Nobody would have ever thought of this person. Christopher from Foreign Gun. No, I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Legitimately, though, I tried my best to think as outside of the box as I can, and none of us would have ever thought of one of the most popular heroes in all of history. My number one is Tommy Oliver from the Power Rangers. In, in history? History. His, history? History. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. History, you know. All right. I, Explain. First and foremost, I don't have to run down the credentials of the series, the show, and the phenomenon that is the Power Rangers. Even if you were not in the, there for the boom, the Power Rangers were the biggest thing in the world when they started. And they've gone on to spawn 30 different series that, while I can't, I don't know why they're still going. My kids watch them. So clearly they're doing something. Number one. Number two. No. Clearly you hear me talking, right? This brief pause is brought to you by ChairShotRadio.com. Where's Kenny when we need the, the dad cast? That's what we need. We need Kenny with the dad cast Here, right now. Here's the thing. My my little brother was part of the initial run of Power Rangers Boom. And I'd like I get it. He he was crushed by Tommy's big betrayal when he turned out to be the evil Green Ranger. Oh, Shattered Grid, yeah. Was, and then was thrilled when Tommy became the good Green Ranger, slash then the White Ranger, then the Red Ranger, then was just he was he's, he was the one that stayed forever. But anyway, continue. Well, he didn't just stay forever. He was kind of the anomaly. He was the he was the perfect person, the perfect ranger. That's the entire reason Rita tracked him down to be the one initially who was the bad guy, right? He was a, he was sought out because he would think about it. This dude was destroying the world by himself against all different types of groups of rangers and superheroes and super teams and Zords and whatnot. Him and and him and his and his dagger was out here just doing work. The, the Tommy of the like comics, sir. That he played like a flute. He did, but that flute meant ass is going to be kicked. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm not trying to. <laughs> no, it's okay. Right. You you had to be there. That when you when you were that I was I was there. I was just generationally uh, away from that. Like he talked about being a few years too late. My brother's four years younger than me. Fucking loved. Power Rangers. I'm saying, and, I, and we, I, I, I'm speaking. Mo I, I've spoken a lot to the character in general that we've seen on TV. But if you look at the comic book, you just spoke, spoke to it yourself. 
the story of Tommy, evil Tommy, going back in time and essentially saying, I need to be the only ranger and kind of trying to destroy it all. And then the good Tommy, it's just such a crazy story. Shattered Grid, go look it up. That actually, if they ever decide to reboot it again, that should be what they do. But man, Tommy is one of the preeminent heroes, protagonists of our time. And, you know, we don't think about it enough because he was on a kid show, you know, in the 90s. And because the comics just started six, seven, eight years ago. But Tommy Oliver is a bad dude. And of everybody we've been on this list, you put Tommy against him, I'm taking Tommy. Hmm. I don't know, man. Tommy versus Spawn. I got my money on Spawn. (laughs) He, he could kick Rick Grimes' ass. I'll give That's him that. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. Many people I, got can. Samurai, I got the Samurai Rabbit. <laughs> well, you got a number one to tell us too, Tony. So the what's your number one? My number one. You know, usually before I get my number one, I run down my honorable mentions. And I, I only have two. One of them was He-Man and Ray brought it up. And the other one that no one brought up is on the Batman side of the game in the independent comics. Someone that fights villains that are slightly super without superpowers is dick tracy yeah so shout out to dick tracy that's a that's i actually for the first time i have a couple of honorable mentions as well that didn't make it no way uh dave talked about what's that i said no way well you talked about one of them i I can't remember i can't remember where we were talking about but v in v for vendetta yesterday uh, was was one and then the other one uh, from Sin City, Marv from Sin City, the kind of the thug with a heart of gold played by um, Mickey Rourke in the movie. And I have one just real quick while we're doing it. We, we, we think of this person as a DC character, but he started as a uh, independent comic guy. And that is Mar- Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam. Yeah, I didn't want to put him because I know we would all think of him as DC, but he is an independent comic variant who became a DC DC person. So shout out to Billy Batson. Yeah, the only other honorable men, like I had Hellboy at <laughs> V Jesse Custer from preacher. I thought about adding him, but then said, ah, he's yeah. a little too fucked up for me. So my number one is the one that I've had the most exposure to recently. And that is invincible. And I didn't know what to expect going in. I partially watched the first episode because we had been talking a little bit about it and watched it and was like, when's the next fucking episode? Right? Like even I, I didn't know this, the season finale was the season finale. And I went the next week to find another episode and I'm like, ah, that fucking blows and makes sense. God damn it. Um, so I'm looking forward to another season. I'm looking forward to looking a little bit deeper into the comic side of it as well. And man, you can't tell me that some version of some part of this comic book and its stories wouldn't make an excellent movie. Oh yeah. I mean, who to play invincible really depends on when you start casting, considering the age and how you'd want to grow with the characters. I think it's really crazy because people who've watched this cartoon now on Amazon, right? That's which one it's on. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Everybody has so many streamings you can't fucking remember anymore. But who would play Omni Man? Because I think you're so used to um, J.K. Simmons. Simmons, Thank you. His voice, right? Everything else could kind of be replaced. For me, I love Sandra Oh on there as well. But 
yeah, Invincible to me is something that's been put out there in the forefront for everybody to be like, whoa, this is something a little bit different than, you know, if your DC side and your Marvel side. So I have Invincible up there with my limited indie background uh, with the recent exposure. Yeah, he was my number three for many of the same reasons. I, it's it's a fantastic story. You You don't get too many father-son dynamics like that where mentor turned asshole <laughs> you know that sort of thing well, how many how many other great characters uh, superhero characters on that show with depth that are uh, you have stories adam to tell eve uh, monster yeah. girl rexplode all of it the story of so, robot, robot being the kid yeah yes, right so here dave repeatedly when we were in between shows yeah, was like, why don't we do an episode by, like, why don't we do Invincible? The reason I said no is because I don't know how we could have possibly covered it well rushing through a group of those episodes because there's just too much. And that finale, by the way, Tony, that you were talking about, like the season finale is just ridiculous like it's it's choice it's ridiculous it's so good so it wasn't a knock on the show and i want to be very clear it wasn't a knock on the show and it wasn't something that i wasn't interested in doing but the complexity of that show and really all of the relationships that are involved there's just so many things at play that like we would have been we would have a nine-hour episode there's a whole other story to just the viltrumites as well Right. And right. I'm like, I, I need to explore this. This is just, you know. What if Krypton was I need was to get bad. into it. Right. Like, I need to get into it like Star it. Wars. That's what I need to do. Right. So. I got a yeah, casting no idea for the movie. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Tom Holland as Invincible. Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Omni-Man. I don't like Tom Holland, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I'm behind. So. <laughs> Ray's making it rain. Ray, Ray's think, making I, it rain. If you did it in the next couple of years, Sandra Oh could just play the character she plays in Amazon Prime True. as well. Yeah. There like you she's go. an excellent actress. Go. Love. It's cool. So, well, there you have it, folks. That is our top ten independent comic heroes of all time. These are our list. Next week, we jump back into the mainstream, covering our top ten Marvel heroes of all time. Looking forward to that. Everybody already knows my number one. We'll have to wait and see what the rest of the bandwagon says. TheChairShot.com Always use your head. Is an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? You like how I added a little to it this time? Got the big explosion with Christopher Platt. I was very proud of that. All right. So as we talked about last week, I missed last week's show because it was my birthday. It was not one of the best birthdays of my 43 years on this planet. My question to you, gentlemen, barring great birthday sex, best thing you've ever gotten for your birthday. I'll start with mine. For my 40th birthday, my parents were like, what do you want? I was like, I don't want anything other than a shipped deep dish pizza from Papa Del's Pizzeria in Champaign, Illinois. And it's, it, I'm sorry, it's the greatest and best pizza on the planet. 
the this uh it's a local joint that their pizza is so good they'll ship it anywhere in the nation they pack it in a in a styrofoam cooler filled with dry ice comes to you frozen ready to put it on the oven and they call it sicilian pan style pizza it's amazing now the best thing about why this was the greatest birthday gift of all time is that they messed up when they sent my order and sent it to me on a Monday when I wasn't home to receive it. The dry ice melted. My pizza was ruined. So they sent me two. And I got two pizzas. Oh, Oh, it was delicious. So when we didn't quite cook the first one the way it was supposed to, we got it right the second time. And that's why I have diabetes. <laughs> For your best birthday present was diabetes. Nice. I, I I'll go next so they give these other two guys a little time to think a little bit more. And and Dave's got my, a lot of birthdays to consider. So yeah, yeah not yeah. Ah, pop, dig on Dave. Sorry, Dave. Best friends. Um, my most recent one of my most recent birthday presents along those lines was I met DPP and the Dillonator out um for my birthday out at the bar and after we left the bar the dillonator is like here's your birthday present and it was a double chocolate bunt cake with powdered sugar on top of it and i mean it was chocolate chocolate with chocolate chips and it was fucking ridiculously excellent you couldn't have enough milk waiting for you to eat the rest of this with a scoop of vanilla ice cream so that's one of my favorite birthday gifts recently uh best birthday gift ever man ah That'd be a hard one. I'd have to think a little bit more, but sticking on the food lines. Yes, that was excellent. And, and, uh, and that's why you have my, diabetes made my waistline expand <laughs> a little bit more than it should. And that's why you have diabetes, right? I shared that <laughs> with, it was so good. I shared it with no one, by the way, that a boy at your birthday bunt cake. Ray, what about Do you? You have yours. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I got mine. So mine's a little more sentimental. I apologize for the sentiment coming, but, um, I haven't really had a lot of great birthdays, but I remember when I was 18, my mother gave me a calendar for my birthday. Cool. I, what it was, was she wrote down everything I did for the first year of my life on the calendar. So the first time I moved, the first time I sneezed, the first time I laughed, the first time I walked, the first time everything and kind of everything I did for that first year. And she gifted to me as a calendar on my 18th birthday, kind of signifying the fact that you're grown now. I want you to look back and remember where you came from. And like that, that was the dopest gift. I had one of the, just the coolest ideas. And I, it makes me feel bad that I didn't think to do that for my kids. (laughs) But so, yeah. So yeah, that like from a sentimental point of view that like, it don't, it don't get much cooler than that. Very nice. So here's the problem with me. A, like Patrick says, I'm 52 now, so I don't remember things the way I used to. The bigger problem is that my birthday is December 16th, so it falls right there with Hanukkah and Christmas. And trying to remember what the fuck did I get that was related to my birthday as opposed to Hanukkah or Christmas, I don't really remember. The stuff that stands out, like, I don't know, this is way before your guys' times. They used to have these, these like robots called 2XLs where they ran off eight track tapes. And they were like learning. They were like learning things where you where they were on a program and they had different cartridges to teach you different sorts of like like some of them were sports. Some of them were history related and they had four buttons and you would just press the button. And and it was it was cool because you could see how smart you were or dumb, depending on your perspective. Uh, But I remember one year, like my folks 
got me like they had a timeshare in the Bahamas and like one year they took us took me down there for like birthday related sort of thing. So I got to the, go to the Bahamas down there, which is right when the Gulf War broke out, which was fun. Interesting times down nice. in down in the Bahamas while the war. Yeah. But I, I did relaxed. I did learn of a drink called a time bomb while I was down there and learned the hard way why it was called a time bomb. So shout out to the people in there Nassau for that. Tick, 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 tick. So I, yeah, I mean, it's better. I thought you were going to talk about the first time your parents took you to a talkie movie. Um, you uh, know, something like that. Tom. First time well, I saw something in color. Yeah. First the, time the, I heard a radio no, radio no, no, you show. Guys, you guys, it's not the first time. In, if you're going to do the joke right, it's not the first time in color. It's the first time you heard people speak while watching a movie. That's oh. what a talkie is, yo. I would say if they were going to do it, Dave, I would never do that. We're best friends. Right, right. Yeah, no, anyway, just helping, just helping them, Dave. Yeah, it's we love Dave Odongar and his 900 years on this planet. Uh, hope here's to another 900. He's going to outlive call us me Yoda, all. Call me Yoda. He will be. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we head out of here, fellas, why don't we tell everybody where they can find us out there in the world? This week, we'll start with Mr. Ray Cash. You can find me at uh, maybe I should change it to Ray Dollars because that sounds a little doper than Ray Cash, but. And it's Ray Cash, R-E-Y is a Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. And my my that's my burner account. My real account is Fur and Gully Forever. Hardy <laughs> Mode. David Ungar. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And also make sure you're checking out hashtag Ray Loves Fur and Gully. It's a awesome account to follow. Pizza Funny. Yeah, uh, Pizza Funny here. You can find me at PC Tunny. Uh, but yeah, I love pizza, and I just I'm just trying to be funny. There you go, and you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Also, be sure to follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. That is at Bandwagon Nerds. Nothing fancy there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, next week we go back into the mainstream. We will be covering our top ten heroes from the Marvel comics. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself up out of the basement, get some sun, and check out some indie comics. There's some great stuff out there. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
Now you put down your weapons, walk through those gates. You're one of us. We let go of all of it. And nobody dies. Everyone who's alive right now. Everyone who's made it this far. We've all done the worst kinds of things just to stay alive. But we can still come back. We're not too far gone. We get to come back. I know. We all can change. Someone's a little angry because they died and went to hell. Hello, my mutant. Hello, my carcass. Hello, my bug infested car. Oh,